Hi, I am Reese, and I am from the podcast Canadian Politics is Boring, and we have 60 seconds to hard sell you why you should listen to our comedy show. So, Jesse, have you got any reasons why they should check us out? Absolutely not, but you told me to be more enthusiastic, so that's what I'm going to be. It's got stories about funny politics in Canada. Bear wrestling, aliens, alcoholics galore, seances with ghosts, dogs that are your mother, or the fact that Justin Trudeau's father might actually be Fidel Castro, or Or not. Or not. not, Or not. Yeah. Or Or not. Yeah. So are you driving to work, or are you on your bicycle listening to a podcast, or are you perhaps taking care of your children and just really want to drown them out? Uh, Put us in your ear holes. Search Canadian Politics is Boring on your favorite podcast app, or go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com to check out our half-finished website. Hey everyone, Chris Hansen here of Hansen vs. Predators in Cantor Predator. Why don't you have a seat right over there and listen to Kyle and Brandon, our podcast. According to my chat logs, Kyle and Brandon have interesting guests. No, I hated it. Yeah. Everybody's sweaty, everybody's on drugs, so they're super sweaty but also touchy. And then they touch your face and you leave there and the next day you have pimples. Fantastic conversation. He's underground in a lab, floating in a tank of water because he almost died. And most important, no predators. Here at Intoxia Reviews, we intellectually dissect the art of cinema, scene by scene. Here's some clips. Oh, he is. It's just a fucking big wooden doll full of cum chasing kids around. <laughs> you look up guys who poop in a bag. I think that's where you'll find them. Because he is hurt. It's probably just in your search history anyway, isn't it? This movie fucking blows. So don't forget to subscribe to Intoxicated Reviews on all places you find podcasts. Except Spotify. We're working on it. Do not take product if you are hypersensitive. Okay, Internet. Welcome back to the Intoxicated Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McClellan, and if you're a brand new listener to the podcast, Intoxicated is a comedy variety talk show where I sit down and chat with comedians, creators, and characters. And if you're a returning listener, you might already know about the next Intoxicated Live event. I am doing a live debates comedy show on Friday, September 18th at 9 p.m. at Oasis Pub on Spring Garden Road. This will be comedians going head-to-head to debate topics on stage with some stand-up sprinkled throughout. It is going to be a shit ton of fun, and you should come. Because if you're in Halifax or nearby and you want to come out to support a local business, but also support live comedy, this is a great way to do it. Make a night out of it. Come out with your friends, get some drinks, get some appies. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be, you know, slightly different from a standard comedy show. You're going to get to see comedians sort of debate things on the spot, and it's going to be interactive and a lot of fun. I will link in the description of the podcast to where you can go to get tickets. There are discounts available as well. So if you want to bring a friend or if you want to bring a couple of friends, tickets are cheaper. Tell your friends about the show. Come out and see me. Come out and say hi. I'm probably going to do a little bit of stand up myself at the start of the show. So if you are interested in seeing that, that's your chance to see me do stand up as well as host a debates show. So please come. Please, 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 please. 
This week's guest is a fellow comedy classmate of mine. That's what we're calling it, comedy classmates. Joel Franklin. He is a newer friend that I sort of just recently met. He started doing stand-up right when comedy started coming back, and I started soon thereafter. So by that standard, he and I are in the same comedy class. And oh my gosh, Joel is just such a great dude. This is a guy who's lived a lot of life experience, has a lot of really cool insight and stories, all-around amazing guy. Really cool to have him on just where we're both at the same level and can both kind of be on this weird stand-up journey together. So as always, if you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure you are following Intoxicated on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Intoxicated Podcast. Twitter is in underscore intoxicated. Check out Patreon. It is patreon.com backslash intoxicated. And I do want to give a big thank you to all the current patrons of the show. One thing that you get if you're Patreon is a 50% discount on live events. So, I mean, there you go. If you if you were thinking about joining anyway and maybe throwing some dollars my way, now might be a good time to do it because you will get 50% off a live show ticket. Give that a look if you're interested. Also, if you're digging the show, I can't tell you enough how much a rating or review matters in podcasting. It really, truly does. Reviews and downloads are the main thing that gets podcast charting. And I would love to be on the charts. So if you really love Intoxicated, leave an Apple podcast rating or review. And of course, tell your friends and everyone you know, and all your past sexual partners and your family. Well, maybe not your family, but you know, Tell a lot of people in your life about the podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. Even sharing on social media and tagging Intoxicated would be amazing. Anything like that will help me out. That's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Joel Franklin. All right. I've had times with drinking, with drinking specifically, where, like, I've just had to, like, stop. Because, like, I felt like I was using it as, like, a crutch because... I was trying to, like, I was trying to fix issues in my life by just avoiding them by getting drunk. Like, and then, and then I would just, like, piss off all my friends and become a monster. Like, monster of a person when I was, when I would drink. But it was because I was so fucking sad and depressed. And that it just all came out when I was drinking. So now I don't usually drink. If I'm, if I'm in a really bad mood, I don't drink. And that's, like, that's what alcoholism really is. It's just, uh, are we started already? We are started, but, but, like, I'm going to cut whatever and then we'll, like, I usually just let it roll and then, like, I'll, I'll open the episode soon. Yeah. Well, like, with, like, alcoholism and addiction, like, it's like, like you said, like, it's, you're trying to get away from something. So it's like, it's more like alcohol and drugs are the symptom of your issues. Yeah. And it's about dealing with what's like, like what's inside. Exactly. A hundred percent. So yeah, the communities that I was a part of back in Winnipeg, like, so I, I got sober when I was 18. I went to rehab for cocaine and alcohol dependency and, uh, like, Went and moved into a halfway house uh, in downtown oh Winnipeg. With uh, it housed at at most fifteen addicts at once. Wow! Uh, yeah, it was uh, really interesting. You know, uh, it definitely gave me uh, what's the word? It's given me a lot of resilience for the houses I've lived in since. Uh, I can imagine. Yeah. Holy shit! Okay, we'll have to talk about that. So. Well, let's just let's just dive in because okay. I, I just find it works best when we just dive in. Um, I'm very, I'm Joel Franklin, right? Is yes, your last name? Joel Franklin. To me, you're just Joel. Like I, it's, <laughs> I thought about the other day. I'm like Joel, Joel, Joel. I was like, what's his last name? Oh yeah, Franklin. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's my uh, that's not my real last name. That's just okay. yeah. That's your comedy name. Exactly. That's what you'll go by on this. Yeah, because if I'm gonna t- 
I'm going to talk about really disturbing things from my past on stage. I really don't want to drag my family's name through the mud, you know? That's totally fair. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's something that you got to think about when you do really personal dark stuff. Like, you, you really got to think about those things. Um, welcome back, everybody, to the Intoxicated Podcast. Uh, I'm here with I'm here with a new friend, a very new friend, yes. and a comedy classmate is what as, I would call you. We've defined ourselves. Yes, we have defined ourselves as the new crop. Yeah, the new crop of comedy here in Halifax. Joel Franklin yeah. is here. Post quarantine crop. Here we are. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's nice to be here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's uh when we hung out that night and you told me that you wanted to come on. I was like, absolutely yes. Like. Like, because you're someone, there's no bullshit with you. You like to have deep conversations, get to the nitty gritty. There's no, there's no stepping around anything. And that's the kind of person I like. I can't have small talk. It's not something I'm good at. Um, I catch myself at work sometimes mentioning the weather to people. And I like, I'm like, this person must want to leave right away. It's, uh, I... So how about that rain? Yeah, it's like, nice day out there. Are you enjoying your walk? How about that rain last night? That thunderstorm that just... Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was a pretty awesome thunderstorm in all fairness. It's it's in my Instagram story for sure. Is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you were at a staff fair last night. Yes. It's damn party. Staff party. It was a lot of fun. So we took a break from playing beer pong to uh, (laughs) go hang out in the rain for a bit. Wow. Yeah. Well, we, we, in all fairness... Halifax did really need some rain. Mm. It's been it's been a pretty rainless summer. It's been a really good summer for weather here. Like <laughs> I love how yeah, we're, like, we're, we're, like, talk, we're like, really talking we about weather. We don't really do small talk that much, but here's a five minute segment <laughs> on the weather. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just it's been a wildly good summer in terms of weather. Like really nice days and really nice sunsets all the time. Yeah, like the oh man, the best sunsets out here. I am so nice. like whenever you can catch like. Like that full like quilted effect from like the sun catching the clouds going across the sky. It's like my, one of my most favorite things. I love a sky. Yeah, I take a lot of pictures of skies. I love a moody sky. I like dark skies too that mm. look really pissed off. Yeah, yeah, like you know when you see a sky and it's like that sky's pissed. I love I that. that. I love skies. Oh, that's a weird thing yeah. to talk about. I'll but. tell people though, like other than my family, like the one thing I miss about the prairies is uh, the prairie sky. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, the sunset goes on forever. It's like looking across the ocean, but it's cornfields going the other way. Oh, that's really nice. I've never been. So you're from where are you from? Winnipeg. Winnipeg, like like where a uh, small town? Or? Uh, no, Winnipeg. It's like a city of about. 800,000 people. Oh, you're in, like, Winnipeg. Like, you're not on the outskirts. No, no, no. I, like, grew up in a small neighborhood. Or actually, it's not that small. St. James is what it's Mm. called. Yes, yes. Okay. And then I, when I was 18, I moved to downtown, which is about a 20-minute drive from where I lived. And, yeah, hung out in, like, I, I moved around a bunch over, like, the next five years there, but never moved out of, like, this, like, two-block radius. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, So did you like growing up there? I know that you have some jokes uh, about mean, it, but, like... <laughs> I love Winnipeg. It uh, it's, doesn't have a great reputation. Yeah, um, yeah what's I'm, the reputation of it? Uh, it? So Winnipeg and Dartmouth compete often for the stabbing capital of Canada. Yeah. Ah, ah. Uh, cap, Winnipeg and Dartmouth. Yeah. Like, like it, it's just, it's a really big, uh, like, you wouldn't normally put those two on the same, I don't know. That's it's, wild. It's pretty wild, but, like, my favorite people that I've met in Halifax are from Dartmouth. Dartmouth has people, like, I feel like Dartmouth people aren't, you, you'll never meet someone from Dartmouth who's stuck up. 
No, that's exactly it. There's no air of superiority from people in Dartmouth. No, because they've seen it all. They've seen they've seen hookers at at twelve noon, you know, just on the street. Like that's Winnipeg. <laughs> that's like that's like a like <laughs> the comparisons are endless. It's, yeah, yeah, um, they're very similar. Yeah, there's like a terrible bus system. If you don't own a car, it pretty much takes you an hour to get anywhere. Oh, crazy! Yeah, um, walk two blocks in one direction. Uh, you can end up in a terrible neighborhood. Right. And, like, um, the first time I ever got mugged, I was 13. First time. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Holy, you were 13 the first time you got mugged. Yeah. It was, it was actually my first time drinking as well. What happened? Uh, I was with some family, and we had um, walked some of my brother's friends home from my place where we were drinking, and I was too intoxicated yeah, that's, there it is. Name drop. Uh, to um, to find my way home. And so I went down the wrong back lane, um, realized my mistake, and then came back up to the top, and there was two guys waiting there, one with a baseball bat and the other unarmed. Yeah, it was pretty wild. The next thing I remember was like being on the ground, just like getting it in the back What of head. the fuck? It was pre- it was with some- a baseball bat? Yeah. So like they didn't have a knife or a gun or anything, but like they were beating you with the bat? Yeah. That's... Fucking wild. Yeah, spent the night in the hospital, had a concussion. Holy sh... At 13? Yeah. And you've been mugged since then? One other time. Yeah, yeah, One other time. Yeah, I was uh, 19 or 18. It was like right after I moved downtown. And I was leaving a kickboxing class, actually. And some guy asked me for the time. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I like pull up my watch. And then he's like, pulls a knife. And he's like, give me your watch. And oh my god yeah. and you were like yep here you go it's like there you go man it's like definitely not worth anything more than this and i people who like argue with people who are mugging them or mm. like challenge them i don't understand where that comes from like that's that's a level of courage that i don't think i'll ever have in my life like i mean either that's uh, wild yeah my my uh some of my friends will be like oh joel's like street smart you know he was like did a bunch of drugs when he was younger and then like got mugged a few times and i'm just like i'm not street smart i just know when to leave Mm, that's mm -hmm. that's my claim to fame yeah i'll i'll leave most situations if i feel uncomfortable like you have good instincts in terms of like is this a bad person or is this a bad situation for me to get the fuck out kind of thing interesting do you think that's like like kind of saved you in past situations like has there ever been a situation where you left and then, like, a bad thing happened, and you were like, yep, I was right to leave. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah? Definitely, like, uh, parties all the time would get, like, uh, kids from other schools rolling up on them, and, uh, like, the whole place would get bear mace, and then I'd be, like, off in the field somewhere with my friends. Just, oh, like, my God. hanging out. Yeah. You just totally avoided it. I was like, you know what? Not tonight, guys. Let's go. And then... Oh, man. Yeah. And you see, like, a bunch of sirens, like, down the street later. Holy shit. Did you drink, um, did you drink underage? Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, Well, I was 13 the first time I got mugged, and 13. I was my first time drinking, um, like, enough to get me drunk anyways. And, uh, yeah, I what, started doing drugs when I was 13 as well. Holy shit. Yeah, and then by the time I was 15, I could, like, walk into most vendors. Oh, in, in Winnipeg, we have this sweet thing called beer vendors, and so all the hotels are most of, like, the divey hotels anyways. They have a beer vendor attached to them. And beer vendor. 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 Yeah. And it's just like, it's like, you know, the back of liquor stores here where they yep. have like the freezer room kind uh-huh. of. It's like a store that's just that. And you can go buy bo- booze? Just beer. Just beer. Yeah, and it's open until 2 a.m. 
That sounds amazing. Why don't we have something like that here? I feel like uh, too many, like, apparently, like, back in the day here, like, you could go down to Argyle Street, and a lot of bars would have, like, dollar drink nights. Yeah. Well, how old are you? 26. Okay, how long have you been in Halifax? Moved here in 2017. Okay. Because I I talked with this with Michael on his episode, but uh, 2007, 2008, that era of time here in Halifax, we had dollar drinks at the Dome. Oh, no. And at the time, there was like three bars. Like the Dome was three bars. So it was Cheers, Sky Bar, and The Attic. Right. And it was dollar drinks everywhere. And so fucking dangerous. Oh, my God. I totally understand why... They were like, yeah, no, we can't do this anymore because people are dying. <laughs> people are dying. Fights like, are breaking out everywhere. Alcohol poisoning all over the place. Like, like I had friends that would take out like a hundred dollar bill and like spend it all on dollar drinks. Like just because you would not only would you like buy drinks for yourself, but you'd like, they were a dollar. So you would buy your friends drinks. Exactly. You would like you'd be like, hey, I'd buy everyone a vodka lime. Like, yeah, and like so when you have a town that's like full of university students, like yeah. away from home. Like I was talking to someone from Toronto the other day, and they're like, "Yeah, when I first moved here, I didn't even consider this a real place. Like I'm just like from the big city, moving to Halifax, and like I could do whatever I want here." Mm-hmm. And I've met a lot of people with that attitude. It's a university city, so it's like, yeah, our whole bar scene here is just pretty wild. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely uh, adopted it into you my like life. You like going out, eh? I do. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're 26. Like, that's... You're still in the prime. Yeah, it's still it's still appropriate for me to go to most places. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But what age do you think it's not? I don't know. Sometimes, I'm scared to hear it. I don't know if it's an age. Maybe it's a feeling. You know? Oh, that's fair. Like, sometimes I go to Martini Monday at the Bitter End, and I definitely feel like I'm the oldest person drinking there. Really? Yeah. Just, like, all, like, first and second year kids. Like I would always think Martini... Well, yeah, no, you're probably right. I always think martini money is more classy than like going to boomers or going to cheers or it's, like yeah it's definitely more classy than going to boomers that's for uh, sure boomers is pretty i've only gone a couple times in uh, all fairness i shouldn't judge it too hard and the times that i have gone it, it was fun but it was like it did feel like a high school dance in a bar it's not somewhere where i would start my night no <laughs> No, probably not. People will ask me to go to Boomers or the Ale House, and I'll just be like, sorry, I'm not drunk enough yet to say yes to that I question. I hate, okay, <laughs> I freaking hate the Ale House. Sorry if you are listening and you work there, or you know someone who works there, or you have good memories there. My only memories from the Ale House are, like, fucking being drunk on the dance floor, smelling fucking B.O. and farts, like, and these guys, like drunk dudes just like coming up behind you and grinding on you like I don't know those are my memories of the ale house like I don't I don't have the best memories there but I mean I certainly went a lot back in the day but like I'm 33 so like my bar days are far gone behind me so but you still come to shows all the time I do and I'm not opposed to going out it's just going out is such an ordeal especially for women because it's like we gotta figure out our outfit we gotta figure out what purse we're bringing we gotta figure out shoes we gotta figure out logistics like are we cabbing are we pre-drinking are we going together are we meeting there like there's a lot of logistics I feel like with men it's not that complicated right you're just like meet me at this bar or like I put together outfits for sure you know <laughs> do like, you? I, yeah I have several <laughs> pairs of shoes at home and I have I wear fanny packs you know you so wear fanny packs Oh, oh yeah. that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, 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 so I do appreciate a fanny pack. They're fucking sweet, man. Like I just started wearing them this summer, and um, 
you check out my Instagram, I have hashtag Fanny Gang 2020. Fanny Gang 2020. Fanny Gang I want to join that. Yeah, please do. It's uh, the cost of admission is a fanny pack. And, <laughs> and a picture. Exactly. Tagging, yeah. <laughs> making sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I like a fanny pack. I like a, a backpack. Like, it, it feels like you can carry a lot in it and like, like that you're not carrying around much. Um, but yeah, no, going out is, I don't know. I think too, when you, there was a time in my life that I lived downtown and it was just so much easier because you could walk everywhere. You didn't have to worry about cabs or like paying for cabs. Like really, truly a night out. Like if you want to have a real night out, it's pricey because there's drinks, yep. cover, yep. food yep. after you always get food after. Yeah. Cause you got to go to pizza corner. Got to go to pizza corner. Grab like an obscenely large Willie's poutine. Oh, I really want Willie's poutine. <laughs> Now you got me thinking about. I've been eating such shit lately. My roommate's obsessed with Willie's. Every time we go out together and we like lose him, like you can just be like, "All right, guys, pizza corner. Like, let's go find Dan." <laughs> Dan's a Willie's guy. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan is a Willie's guy. Well, we should let's tie the strings together for everybody. So you, like, you work downtown at an establishment. Yes. I don't know if we can say, but <laughs> you work somewhere connected to a place. That does comedy. Yeah, I, I work somewhere where there is sometimes an open mic. That's kind of okay. So, well, I have a lot of questions about that. So, I think I met you. I don't know if I met you at Daily Grind. I might have met you either there or Economy Shoe Shop. I think we, we might have met there. I don't remember, but like I remember being there for your first couple sets. I think was yeah. your first set at Daily Grind. Yep. Okay, like I the, was there for it. The first night at the Daily Grind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that was my first set ever. Okay, I want to know, because, and I know this is hack, everybody listening. <laughs> any, like, any comics that aren't new uh, listening are probably rolling their eyes at me. But listen, uh, my stand-up journey is different than yours. And I'm curious as to, like, what was the first set like for you? Did you build it up in your head? Did you prepare a lot? Like... Oh yeah. What was the whole well, process? So the way it started was um the one of the comedians um that like runs most of the shows in the city. Um mm-hmm. Robbie Vino. Robbie Vino. Shout out to Robbie. He uh he lives above the Daily Grind and he comes in all the time and I knew he was a comedian and I'd been wanting to do improv actually. Oh shit, okay. Yeah. Sweet. Um, Cuz I did improv back in middle school. But then um, loved partying too much in high school to <laughs> try it out. Yeah, uh, I, classic uh, yeah, story. I got kicked out of a band for like smoking did too you? much weed. Yeah. What did you play in the band? Guitar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Was, yeah, I'm terrible at guitar. I mostly just like played rhythm like along to like Chili Pepper songs where like That's we had like hilarious. a sweet guitar player and. Uh, yeah, but I was just like too baked at practice all the time. Like, like you're out. He was like you're out, and I'm like, all right, fine then, guys. <laughs> like fuck you. Oh my god. Um, so yeah, uh, I was asking Robbie about it, getting in his ear, and then he started to get me to write a sketch for a show that he wants to do, and then um, and then one day he was just like, hey, we're doing comedy here. You want to be in it? I was like. Fuck yeah. I've been waiting like my oh, whole life. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is something that you have been oh, yeah. like sort of on the back burner and the background oh, thinking yeah. about doing? Uh, like my like my idols growing up were comedians. Like oh. I loved Adam Sandler. Like Ooh. I can I can sing most I could like sing most of his songs like verbatim. You know? Amazing. I love Adam Sandler. <laughs> I mean like I, I probably not to the same degree as you, but like for me, like Happy Gilmore is one of my favorite movies of all time. Happy Gilmore is a great movie. Yeah. I love that. I feel like it doesn't get as much um, clout what? as Billy Madison. Billy Mas- which I also love, but I also think I just haven't watched that movie or like rewatched that movie enough to like be obsessed with it as much as Happy Gilmore. Like Happy Gilmore, like 
Like, there's just certain scenes in that movie I think about all the time. I love like, that movie so much. Yeah, The Price is Wrong, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> go to your home. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you why don't you go to your home? Yeah. I love that movie so much. Like or at the beginning when he has that uh when he's like calling through the micro the intercom to what he thinks is his girlfriend and then that Asian lady comes up. Yes. In the morning <laughs> she's like, "Where are you going?" Like, "I made waffles." <laughs> I want to kiss you all over. <laughs> yeah, oh, I fucking love that movie. Oh, so Adam Sandler was an idol who else? Um, big fan of, do you know John Doerr? Oh, yes. Yeah, he's like, I love John. I was such a crush on John Doerr. Really? Huge crush on him. <laughs> has he um has he ever been through town? He has. So la- was it last year I think he came here? Yeah, sometime last year he was here. And did a show, and a couple of local comics like got to open for him and stuff. And That's I went, so cool. and I went, and I had a wild experience because I brought it was me and a friend, and we sat kind of close to the front um, in a row that like only had I think four seats, and a guy sat beside me that was hammered, right? And he started heckling John Dor. Okay, all right. And John Dor like looked at me on the stage and was like, "Did." Did you come with this guy? And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, it was just such a... He handled it amazingly. Like, yeah. he, he, it was unreal. And eventually the guy left. But it was it was quite the experience. Like, seeing John Doerr take down a heckler. Oh, yeah. Because it ended up being, like, probably a, probably a solid five minutes of just interacting with the heckler. But it was hilarious. Yeah, of course. Because he's amazing. He's super funny. My, so wildly talented. Yeah, my favorite joke of his is actually, like, it's like a non-joke. He, like, has a guitar that he pulls on stage. He's like, he's like, this one is called I Hate Hitler. And then he like plays like this like really intense like song and then like puts it down. He's like, not going to lie. It needs words. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. He's great. He's so funny. Yeah. Um, Will Ferrell was a big influence yeah? of mine growing up. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, but now I watch a lot of like Tom Segura. Yeah. And Anthony Jeselnik. Uh-huh. Uh, those guys are where it's at for me. Um, and then Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Of course. He's king. Like, of course. Yeah. Of course. Oddly enough, I've never watched a Dave Chappelle special. Really? And I think that is shameful. And I can't believe I just said it on my comedy podcast. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I got to do that. Where Where should I start with a, a Chappelle, Chappelle special? Like what? Like if you watch the show, like the Chappelle show. No. No? Um, I would start. I don't know what they're called, but there's two. There's one where he has like a yellow, like uh, short sleeve button down, and then there's one where he has like a blue and white short sleeve button down. Okay. And those two are from like the early 2000s, I think. Okay. And those are the ones that me and my friends quoted the most growing up. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I have to fucking do it. You gotta. Just if by, you're doing comedy, you have to. And he talk, I think because like Dave Chappelle, like now he's like. He's less of a comedian and more of just like a social advocate. Like his yeah. bits, his bits are more common. I did like, watch the most recent special that he yeah. put on YouTube. I did watch that. Choice. That was pretty amazing. He's intense, and yeah. so he just talks about things that like he experienced growing up. You know, he talks about like growing up in like a bad neighborhood. He talks about like the shit that him and his family dealt with because of race, and then he talks about like the current state of affairs, which is great. Yeah, it's like it's so awesome, and he just like he like skirts like these like intense issues and he just like makes light of them like which like a great comedian would do yeah for sure and i mean he's cultivated like he's he's just one of the greats like and i know that even though like i haven't seen much of his stuff like i i totally know that and that's totally like on me for not fucking watching more man i gotta do it um so you so robbie kind of talked you into it like did you have 
like jokes planned for your first? Like, what was your whole thing? Um, what was my first bit? I uh, I talked about um, well, like getting hit as a kid. Oh yeah. yeah. Actually, like I brought my Which, notebook with. Oh, amazing. Oh, I love this. Yeah, because I write it all down. I have like have like this like jumbled mix of notes, and then so like yeah, like this is like my first page of like writing jokes, and then let's see if it's in here. Come on, <laughs> I love it. I love seeing people's process with writing. Oh, it's such a shit show. Like it makes no sense. Oh, and there it is. Um, to, oh yeah, <laughs> I talked about. Uh, like quarantine and like how I just started like drinking all the time and uh-huh. like instead of calling um like I would start drunk dialing people and instead of calling my ex girlfriends like most people do I just call my family. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, and I sometimes call my high school English teacher as well. What? Yeah. Just to, are you just like friends with? Them? Yeah, yeah, we're buds now. Oh, like, that's amazing. Yeah, first name basis. Um, yeah, it was super cool. Like, cause I was going through some hard times in high school, um, as is known, and uh, he would just let me like come into his class like whenever, and just like we'd hang out at lunch and shit. And it was oh, great. Oh man, were you okay? There's no way to like ask this question and like a. Uh, eloquent way were you good in school were you smart like or were you smart but you just didn't apply yourself smart but didn't apply yeah. myself yeah. yeah so i would like be good enough at a class to like not study for the exam show up and like just know my average going into it and yeah. just like know how much to like get on the exam like finish half the booklet and then walk out and get a 50 in the class and i was like it's exactly what i want i feel that yeah um <laughs> and then i went to i actually went to trade school uh to be an electrician and applied myself ah. and discovered that I was actually like pretty smart uh, for my standards anyways and went back to high school to get good enough grades to go to university. Oh, and so I was, tw- interesting. I was 22 and taking like grade 12 calculus again. Is that like a GD thing or no, so had, did you actually go back? I had my degree. So I was taking, they're called adult ed courses. They're, okay. They're in like, uh, they're, they're at night. In a school for like delinquent kids. Um, delinquent kids. Yeah. So I never went there. I was like, I stayed out of trouble enough to be able to go to like regular high school. Mm. And, uh, but then I ended up going to, it's called James Wood. We'd like, it was like, if someone went to James Wood, you know that they were having a hard time. And uh, I ended up going there when I was 22 and like taking calculus, chemistry, and English. Did you going into that, like, was that weird for you, like going into something that already had this kind of judgment on it? As nah. like, like you said, like, like they're going through, or were you just like, I'm better in my life. Fuck it. Like, yeah, that was like exactly I'm, it. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. working two full time jobs. Um, I was a server at like two neighboring restaurants, um, back in Winnipeg, and, um, I was just like, yeah, I'm sick of this. Like, I don't want to work in restaurants for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and went back to school, and I was like proud of myself. Good. Yeah, yeah. And oh, act- that's good. It was actually pretty <clears throat> sweet. My oldest friend. Um, happened to be in the calculus class. Like, we hadn't talked in, like, a couple of years. Oh, wow. And, uh, like, I show up one day, and he's just, like, hanging out in class. And I'm like, what are you doing here, Devin? He's like, <laughs> Devin. Yeah, Devin. That's wild. It's wild how life brings you back to certain people. Definitely. And, like, uh, yeah, he was like, we've known each other since I was, like, three or four. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, it, that type of bond of, like, knowing someone. Like, I, I have a friend who... Literally, like, our moms were pregnant together. Like, that's how we met. Yeah. We met in the womb. Like, and grew up across the street. And, like, we still, we're still friends in social media and, like, 
check in every now and then. It's just wild. Like how, like, I don't know. It's just an unbreakable bond, I think. Yeah. When you know someone that long, you stay in touch. Even though it might not be like, you don't talk every day or maybe you're not even that close, but still, it's still really cool. Yeah. I saw this thing on Instagram the other day where it's like, true friendship is when you can go a long period without talking. And when you talk again, no one questions the length of time. You know, it's just, you pick up and it's fine. So true. And there's definitely those, and there's a reason you met those people, I think. For me, it was like a lot of like the college friends I met. I found like, I'm like, okay, these are people that are going to be with me for life kind of thing. Like that era of my life. But it's, friendship is weird, especially at this age. Like I'm 33 and like, I'm, I'm just like, everyone's off building their own lives and it feels very lonely sometimes. Yeah, I can understand. I can relate to that. Like, uh, every time I'm on a dating app, like all these like women that I match with, like their lives are so much more put together than mine. And they're like, do you think they are though? Or do you think that they're just like, they're only showing you the good stuff? Maybe. I just like, they always like, they have these degrees, like a lot of them, like a lot of the ones I matched with recently are like going into grad school or law or something like that. Yeah, and they're like, I know. And what are you doing? And I'm just like, oh, I'm like a few years older than them. And I'm just like, yeah. second year of my bachelor degree. You know? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, yeah. And it's really hard not to like judge your life based on other people. That's like a constant struggle for humans, I think. And I totally get that. Like I'm, I'm the same way. Like right now I'm not working. And I feel like a piece of garbage because I'm like, how am I on these apps like looking for a guy with his shit together and a good right. job? And like, like, why would I expect that of someone when I'm not there? And I try to explain that to people and people are still like, no, you should still have standards. And I was like, yeah, but I also think that that's a big sign that I got to focus on just getting my shit together. And then maybe I look for a partner or maybe I just whatever happens, happens. And if one person comes along, they come along. I, sort of like your joke, you know, like yes. one that we were working on yesterday. Yeah, yeah. it went over good last night. By Did the it? Way. I was gonna ask. That's great. I'm, um, I'm, I'm curious as to like, I'm I, I, these one thing that's good about these open mics is like you do get to test it on like really small crowds, and that's a really good indication of like whether or not it's gonna work overall. I yeah. think. And like Just with kidding. open mics too, it's mostly comedians that show up as well. So like, if you can make a room full of comedians laugh, then you know you're doing something right. Yeah, I uh, yeah, it was interesting. I, I listened to it back, and especially the part where I say uh, "ugly horse faced horror." Uh, I, I heard Chris left let out a big <laughs> ha in the back. Like I heard his ha so clearly, like Amazing. on my fucking audio recording on my phone. I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's great. So that that's went good. over well too. You didn't Whenever get shot. Didn't I? Didn't get shot. That's so funny. <laughs> oh my god! Actually, we showed up. And there was there was no audience. Yeah, well, I got, right at, I, I came in with you. Remember? Oh yeah, you did. That's yeah, right. I just um I got distracted because I ran into an old friend. Oh okay. I don't, I don't, yeah okay. Yeah I I just I'm when I before a show I'm truly in a weird zone. Like mm. I I like it's kind of like I don't want to be talked to. <laughs> before I go up I'm like after I'm done all bets are off I'm gonna fucking talk to everybody and love the show and go oh, yeah. watch the show and stuff but man when I'm like just when I'm especially last night where it was like two new jokes that like I hardly practiced I was like just very narrow minded but then I was also like I'm okay if this show gets cancelled I'm alright with it <laughs> like it was this weird moment of like if there's no crowd here I'm okay if it doesn't go through yeah exactly <laughs> and like it was so funny like when we were hanging out earlier like you invited yeah. Tom and I over to like workshop your jokes and then for the last like half an hour you're just like sitting there like mm-hmm. 
I felt bad about that because I was like, this isn't a true writer session. This is Sarah's stressed about stuff. But I think, I do think that we should get together again. Like when there's no shows and like we can just hang out and like just shoot the shit about everything. Yeah. Like when there's no pressure. Yeah. I guess would be a good, but pressure is good sometimes I find. It can make you do interesting things like yeah. pressure. Like I, um, I'm the kind of student that will never do anything on time. Like I'm always doing things last minute. Procrastinator. And, oh, yeah. and uh, sometimes like, I make like I get like really good grades on the things that I like hand in last minute, but they're just like like moments of creativity, you know? Right. Oh yeah, for sure. I I think I work better under pressure. Honestly, I'll be a nightmare, mm. but <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I'll I get, get it. it done. Yeah, it's uh... it'll be a shit show, but I will get it done. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of things you can do to like trick your body into like doing different functions. Like if you don't sleep very much or if you don't eat very much, you sort of like put yourself into this like uh state of like fight or flight even yeah. though even though you're not in any like danger or anything like that and so it like <laughs> changes your thought process a little bit i know that like days when i'm writing and i haven't had anything to eat are much different than days when i'm writing and i'm like have a full stomach is it better different it's, it's just different yeah well I, normally like um like the less um lucid i am like mm. the less cohesive my brain works like the more interesting things come out and then yeah. when i reflect on it later on um i can like readjust it with like my sober mind that's actually that's that would be a good way to do it like spill things out uh-huh. and like have you developed sort of a like a joke writing process yet in terms of like how things like because i was talking last night about like how i'm like i put it in the phone i write it out in my joke book but then i also write on a cue card and that's mm. usually the version that i practice and then usually what ends up happening is, yeah, it'll go from phone to notebook to cue card, sometimes a whiteboard over there. I see that. Um, big personality. When I'm, I love that joke. When I'm practicing at home, that's what I use. I love the big personality. And I think it's a favorite amongst a lot of people. They, they're like, oh, I really like that. I was like, sweet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like I, I have a whole process. Do you have a, like, is it just a notebook or? Uh, I have a... Um... I have a notepad that oh, nice. I carry around sometimes, um, but the dog got at it recently, oh, so it's no. got a couple pages missing. Oh, well, <laughs> he's too cute to stay mad at. What's the, can I see a picture of this dog? Yeah, his name. I think Michael was telling me about your dog yesterday. And yeah, his name's Reggie. He's my roommate's dog. He's um, he's a little bit of a monster. Um, <laughs> let's see, where do I have photos of him? I love seeing doggo pictures. He's so cute. He's uh, he's and he gets along with the cat. Okay, <laughs> not he, really. They used to fight a lot more. Like um, it was like watching like like Archie like gets on his hand legs like a bear, and then like Reggie sort of like shoots in at him. And uh, it was pretty cute. Um, but they've sort of like Archie started going outside for a while, and he kind of got over it. Right but here he is. Aww. Oh my gosh, he's a tiny little guy. Yeah, he's um. He's okay, a, I love that dog. That's like a Toto dog. He's a Yorkie Pomeranian Terrier mix. Okay, I make note of that, Sarah. That's I honestly like when I think about the kind of dog I want. I want like small to medium sized, scruffy. Like he looks like a Toto dog. He looks like Toto yeah. from um, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, you can fit him in a picnic basket, no problem. Oh, I want a 
little terrier. So cute. <laughs> yeah, and it works out because he's the same size as the cat. So, like, <laughs> because, like, he was a puppy for, like, the, most of the time that we've been living there. Um, if it was, like, a bear dog, I feel like my cat would have been, like, destroyed. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I get nervous about stuff like that. Especially because it's, like, yeah, when you're introducing a new pet, like, you don't want your old pet to, like, be pissed at you for bringing this other creature in. Right. And Archie's moved around so much since I've had him. Like I got him back. I got him back in Winnipeg from uh, like this foster agency for cats, I guess. And uh, I'm actually still friends with the woman that I got him from. We were chatting earlier today, and uh, he was homeless for three years. And he Mm. came in because he'd like been like in a big scrap with some other animal. Oh. And so I took him into my apartment there, and then I gave him to a mutual friend to look after while. when I moved here because I couldn't drive with him out here, I drove here and then I flew him here and then he lived in a place in the North end and then he's lived with me in my other, in another apartment in the North end, another person's house. And then now we finally, wow. So he moves around. Okay though. I yeah. He adjusts gets, quickly. Gets yeah. yeah. Except for right now. Cause he has diabetes. So he has to like be inside mm. all the time. He's not allowed out anymore. Cause I have to be able to like keep him on a schedule. Yeah. 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 Oh man, and that's a whole new adjustment for you. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> well, because you get. Well, you want to know what I appre- Okay, this is what I appreciate about what you're going through because you see, and I haven't guessed your star sign yet. Don't tell me because I'm going to mm, guess at the sure, end. Yeah. I'm going to do what Michael wanted to do on his episode, but I actually creeped his star sign beforehand and ruined the whole thing. I don't post my birthday on Instagram. Oh, you any, don't? No, you wouldn't have been able to creep me. Anyways. What about on Facebook? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm gonna try to guess thing. throughout this interview, okay. but um, but like I appreciate that you're you're you seem to be. This is one of this is an assumption I have about you. Okay. Are you someone who's like, are you on the go a lot? Constantly. And you're very social. You're kind of a little bit of a partier. Yeah. What I appreciate about this is no matter what, you're like I gotta go feed my cat. Mm-hmm. Like the cat is. The cat is on your priority list, and I appreciate that. Like, as annoying as it is for you, yeah, I appreciate that you're still a good cat owner who's like, yeah, no, I gotta go for my cat. Like, I gotta, I gotta give him the insulin. Like, yeah, it's. Uh, I've been like trying to plan things for the fall coming up, like being in school and then like dropping the amount of shifts and trying to manage comedy into all this. And, yeah, um, I was thinking about taking a wine course because um, if my rose all day shirt and box of wine that I brought with me didn't give it away um, I love wine I didn't wine. notice that that's, uh, that's pretty sweet I got it from a work event one time that's hilarious um, Rosé all day yeah he, uh, so I had to decide not to do a couple things because I need to be there for him yeah, uh, yeah. good for you yeah well, he's good like, cat daddy I try you know I wake up every morning and he usually like uses his litter box too much at night and then starts going on the floor beside it. And so yeah. every morning I wake up and I clean cat piss and sometimes cat shit. It is a humbling moment when you're like, I love you so goddamn much that this is what I'm doing. Like, it really, I think I think that cats, I mean, cats aren't, aren't intense as dogs in terms of like prepping you for parenthood, but they, right. there is an element of it that is kind of like prepping you for, oh, yeah. for parenthood. Well, like, sometimes I see my father and myself um, in the morning when I'm, like, like really tired. And he's, like, meowing at me for food. And I, like, yell at him. I'm just like, I'm like can you please stop right now? And I'm yeah. just like, I'm just like, I'm my father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you hate it when that, those things come out? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've, I've felt that, too. But, yeah, I mean, animals are great, like, for teaching you how to, like 
give love and not expect it back. You know, yes. that's, that's an, I feel like that's an important lesson. Not that you should be like giving of yourself all the time no. for without getting anything. Returned. Don't be a love addict. Yeah. But it's sort of <laughs> like, like I'm sure you get it like where you like, you feed your cat, you pet it and then it just like fucks off. Right. You know? Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. And like, and then those, but then it makes those moments that when they do cuddle you and like show love to you, it makes them more special. Because really you're like, you must really love me. Like if, if you've been annoyed most of the time. Exactly. And now you're taking the time to do it. You must, you must love me back too. Because I do think, especially cats, like I think there's a stigma on cats that like they don't show emotion. I'm like, that's not mm-hmm. fucking true at all. I think cats do show it. They just show it in different ways. Exactly. Like, you know, like, uh, Cats apparently have like something like thirty different tones of meow. Yes, yes, I've heard about this. Yeah, so like they they know how to communicate and they're good at it, but we just don't understand it and like we don't see it. The meows that she makes, like if she's caught a mouse, and and usually what happens when she catches a mouse and I find the mouse is I get upset and I start screaming, mm-hmm. and she'll run away. But then I'll come find her and she does this meow that's like aren't you proud of me? Like, like she does this meow. It's just like, but, but I caught that for you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do you not appreciate my hard work, mom? And it's a different kind of meow. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I truly, yeah, it's, it's wild. I mean, she hardly ever meows though. She's a very quiet cat. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if she wants food or something, she'll meow. But she's a unit too. Yeah. Like. <laughs> she is a little chunker. There. I love it. She's been up, up and down with her weight though. It's weird. Cause like there was a certain time that like people were like, your cat's fat. So I, cut down her food a bit like I didn't give her as much because I give her wet food and dry food okay. she grazes on the dry mm. and then I give her the wet at like night um, and because I give her the wet food because it's like her treat like she looks forward to it all day mm. like like the cat fucking lives in this apartment like just give it some joy right Um, and I cut down the food and she lost weight and then people were like your cat's too fucking skinny and I was like okay I'll go back to giving her a bit more and now she's Chunkier again, and I'm like, again. fuck. Archie's the same. This He's is as stressful as ga- like maintaining my own weight. Now I have to worry <laughs> about my cat's weight. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, I'm so bad at taking care of myself. Like, oh, me I, too. I'm the worst. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, like I had two eggs to eat today. Like that was it. Like I feel like you and I are similar. So you are you? Yeah. Are you someone who forgets to eat? Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Like I'm like I'm 190 pounds right now. It's probably like the lightest I've been since I was a teenager. And it's like not because I'm like like doing drugs or like anything like that it's just like i just forget to eat i'm so busy like i wake right. up in the morning i go to work i cook there as well so i'm like working with food and it just doesn't like make me hungry to do it right and then i get home and then i get ready for a show and that like feed my cat and then head out and then i finally get home at the end of the night and i'm just like mm-hmm. like depending on like if i have like one or two drinks and i'm drunk i'm like i did not eat today like i oh yeah you can feel it right away yeah. yeah, as soon as you start get, getting booze in you, you're like, oh, yeah, whoopsies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'm the same. It's usually the last thing on my list, even though it should be the first. Take Finding a balance, like something I talk about a lot on the podcast, like between all the aspects of your life is really hard. I still don't know anyone who has it down. Like, I know a lot of people who work and do comedy every now and then. Mm. And... They manage it quite well. Right. But it's the people who do it regularly. Like I would say like on a weekly basis or, mm. or they try to. Plus they work. Plus they probably have like life things they have to do. Cats they got to feed or, you know, <laughs> whatever. Like it's just like all these components. And it's like we often forget that like it would be really nice to ourselves to like take an extra two hours to like make a really nice meal mm. and just like sit and like 
enjoy a really nice meal. It's yeah. so easy to just like let that go. If I have the night off or like I'm not doing anything, I will uh, sometimes make myself like a big portion of rice and beans. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So Love I, some rice and beans. Yeah. You know, you cook, so easy. cook it in like vegetable or beef stock to give it some flavor. I usually mm. I, use, I use a bunch of Indian spices. That's like a bunch of that at home. Yeah. And then, uh, and then add beans afterwards for like protein. And because I don't really buy a lot of meat. I'm not mm. a vegetarian, but I try not to. That's eat. good. That's yeah. a, that's a, that's actually like I think more people should be like that. Yeah, like I, I'll always order meat at a restaurant, or like if I'm getting a pizza, like I love bacon on pizza. You know? Oh yes, bacon mm-hmm. on pizza and steak. Like you ordered a pizza here yesterday. Yeah, and wasn't it good? It was delicious. And then I went to that staff party and they ordered pizza there. And I had like I had pepperoni pizza twice yesterday. Oh, I love it. It was great. I actually have a tattoo of pizza on my leg. Do you really? It was my first one. Is it your favorite food? Definitely yeah. pizza addict uh, for life. I posted um, <laughs> recently a video of myself on Instagram from like four years ago when I used to be into weightlifting, and um, I was like, t- I was seventy pounds heavier than I am now, and uh, I like, I put it on my story as well, and I'm like, for those of you that have asked me in person, like, yes, this is me from four years ago after too many protein shakes, and my buddy messages me about it right away, and he's like, little pizza heaven built that body, Joel. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, he called what's, me out. What's but, your favorite place here in Halifax? In Halifax? Sal's. Yeah, so good. Hands down, Sal's. Haven't uh, been in a while. Gotta go. Ronaldo's is a close second. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. But I haven't tried Piazza yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I I actually, I like Salvatore's too. I also like Morris East. I but that's that like fa- That's like fancy pizza. Okay. But I also think Salvatore's is kind of more fancy pizza. What about like, what about bare basic bitch pizza? Like what? What do we? Freeman's. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, Freeman's is just so reliable. You know, oh, they're they're open is. and t- like I think they do delivery until four. It is the most one of the most reliable places here yeah. in Halifax in terms of late night food. Food that's like you know, like it's usually consistently really good. Although they changed their monster sticks and. That pissed me off. They used to be better, but whatever. Yeah, well, whatever. You know, at least at least their garlic <laughs> fingers are okay. Still. Oh, so yum. That's I'm. I need to find the best garlic fingers in Halifax. I feel like there's so many good ones, but I want to do like a a garlic finger showdown. Well, like, somehow, <coughs> garlic fingers is just gar- like a pizza crust, garlic butter, and cheese. So if you find like, it would probably have to. You'd have to factor in like. They use the same pizza crust that they use for their pizzas, so you'd have to get somewhere that, like, you trust their crust. You'd have to find somewhere that, like, makes proper garlic butter, and then somewhere that, like, uses different types of cheese. For me, where people skimp with garlic fingers is the garlic. Mm. There's so many places who are, like, really good with the cheese. Yeah. But, like, it's just not the right ratio. There's a place in Anaganesh. So, I'm from Anaganesh, which is two hours away. Yeah, where St. Effects is. Where St. Effects is. And there's a place called The Wheel. And, like, they're known for their pizza because it's just so wildly different. Like, it is, like, you have, it's like a sweeter crust. It's, like, sweeter. And it's not crispy. It's, like, soft. Okay. And you got a good crust. And then, but, like, the base is thin. So, it's kind Uh, of all, it's kind of like New York style pizza, mm -hmm. but then they overload it with toppings. Fuck yeah. So, it's like a shit ton of cheese, and I'm pretty sure they use different kinds of cheese. Like, not just mozzarella. I'm thinking that there's like provolone in there, Mm. too. All the meat is under the cheese. Yes. Which I don't mind. I know people hate on it. I don't mind it. Smart. I, I like it. I like it. 
Um, and they have they have unbelievable garlic fingers. Like, like they do really good garlic fingers there. The way you should make a pizza is you should treat each ingredient on like because like when you're cooking it, you're trying to get the crust cooked all the way through. Right? Yeah. Like that's the goal. Like you put it in, it takes twenty minutes because the crust takes the longest. Yeah. And then every topping on top of the crust has different cook times. Mm-hmm. So at Sal's, they treat their pizzas like that, and so every ingredient like that they put on a pizza, they pull out the pizza from the oven, add it at different points of the cook. Oh yeah, that's smart. Yeah. I gotta go back there. Oh yeah, that's gonna be on my list. I'm, yeah, they are there. Salvatore's is not paying me to talk about them on this podcast. But Salvatore, shout out to Salvatore's. If you're in Halifax, <laughs> go check out Salvatore's Pizza in the North End. Yeah. North End, right? Yeah. Young Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah Young Street. That's, that's the spot. And it's actually a really great. Do they deliver? They do. They do deliver, and also just a great place to go if if you're go out for some pizza. Yeah, try their it's ham fun. hero as well. They make a really great Ooh. sub. It's uh. I've heard about this meatball hero Deadly. thing. Yeah. Deadly, yeah. It's uh it's it's something you have to get in store though. Don't get it delivered. What what's a hero sand like what when people say it's a hero, it's what a, it's a sub. It's just a sub. Okay. There's no special thing about it. Normally it's cooked as well. So mm. like it's like toasted and then like the cheese is melted on it and such. Like and it's like spelt G Y R O. Oh, or that's like the like the proper Greek spelling of it. I know some people actually just put like hero on it. Oh yes, okay. Oh, if you ever see something and you're like gyro, it's hero. Hero. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, that's interesting. Are you Greek? No, I just know I've been a cook for a long time, so I know a lot of different things about food. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. I'm fucking hungry now. Yeah, Um, (laughs) my my two roommates and I, we all met working at the Bicycle Thief. Nice. Okay, that makes sense. When did you work there? Uh, I worked at the Bicycle Thief in 2018, uh, up until like. February okay. of 2019. Got you. Got yeah. you. Got you. Okay. I had a friend who worked there like before that. Okay. Um, I've never, I don't, I've only been a couple times and it was for my boss taking, mm. taking out. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't, you, it's, it's hard to afford. I know. I know. But I, I do think as much of a broke hoe as I am, it's very nice to go out for like a nice dinner sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like, and just treat yourself. Like, mm-hmm. don't make a habit of it if you can't afford it. But like, um, one of my favorite places to go um, is uh, Amano. Mm, yeah, right across the street from us. Holy shit, the food there is yeah. so fucking good. They have like they have a whole section dedicated to pizza in the kitchen. Whole you know? pizza section. They yeah. have this like tortellini that has like prosciutto in it. Never been. I've only had... Oh boy, it's so fucking. Listen, men, if you ever want to take me on a date, that's where you gotta take me. Yeah. <laughs> take Sarah McClellan to Amano's. If you want to go on a date. That's the only, and I, I know I've said before in the podcast that I don't eat on dates, and I, I'm still mostly sticking to that, mm-hmm. but that is my exception. Go to a mono, order a bottle of wine, get a charcuterie board, and then a pizza. That's pizza? Like, that would be perfect. Yeah, that's yeah, the deal. The charcuterie board. Oh, love. Love it. I love how we're just talking about food so much now. Let's get fucking back into life stuff. Yeah. So, okay. So, like, you've had quite a life, I feel like. I mm-hmm. feel like, like, even if we do this episode, we're only going to scrape the surface of it. Yeah, um, we can do more. So, like, you you said that you started drinking, doing drugs really young, like 13 and stuff. Like, when did stuff, when did things get bad for you where you were like, oh, this is an issue. Like, this um, is a real problem. I, well, I mean... The fact that, like, it was, like, natural for me to start doing coke when I was 15 is definitely, like, a big red flag. But um, I guess, like, 
Like it, like right I'd be- say. <laughs> Jesus. It got bad at some points. Like there'd be times where like either I wouldn't feel comfortable going home or like things would be too like tense for me to like enjoy like being there. So I would just like not go back. Right. And um, I'd hang out with drug dealers. So I'd be like, like if anyone's familiar with Winnipeg, like the north end of Winnipeg is like pretty sketchy neighborhood. And I'd be like hanging out with drug dealers and like driving them around and like going to these like really sketchy spots and uh like i'd like get out of the van if there was like fights or something like that and i'd end up in these like crazy drug dens and like prostitutes Mm. were always in the back seat it was uh it was pretty gross um and that was like that was like pretty close to bottom for me and that was like a couple months before i ended up going to rehab and what actually brought that on was um i'd thrown a party at my mom's place and uh 200 people ended up showing up like i didn't holy shit (laughs) yeah well actually my mom remarried uh and moved to a nice neighborhood it's like a gated community and uh or fenced in really there's no gate to get in um and so i would often throw parties there because it was so much bigger and nicer than like what we had in saint james and uh one time like this last party um 200 people showed up i invited a few drug dealers and Someone ended up pulling a gun on my brother when he showed up to, like, break up the party. Holy fuck. Yeah, it was, uh, (laughs) he tells the story much better than I do. my Uh, god. The SWAT team showed up, and, like, it was intense. Um, they were, they were asking, they're like, all right, who's in charge here? And I was like, I just turned 18. I was wasted. And I was like, I'm in charge. Like, I got, I got this. (laughs) And, uh... (laughs) They're like, no, can we please speak to a real adult? <laughs> You're um, like, I resent that. And I was I'm like, you don't think I'm a man? <laughs> Whip off my shirt. And I'm like, in what? The, yeah. In the process of taking my pants off to like present myself, my manhood to oh them. Oh my God. <laughs> my brother throws me on the ground and like, they're just like, thank you. It's like, so clearly you're in charge here. Oh and then, my God. Yeah. Um, SWAT team like how many people are we talking SWAT I don't know team. there was at least two in my front door with like their like automatic weapon and like their like like little flash grenades and holy stuff holy shit yeah it was intense um, and then it wasn't even after that that I got sober like they like uh, they sent me back the next day to clean up and but left me alone and there was so much like half empties I like blacked out before noon and they found me at the bar I was working at that night like harassing my manager so i could like go get drugs like get my tip money to go get drugs oh my god so that was would you would you call that rock bottom or like your yeah my version of it i uh i mean like there was many times before then that were probably like a little bit more detrimental to my well-being that um i probably could have capitalized on to make a change in my life but i just wasn't ready and Mm. it was like with the support of my family the like it was what it wasn't it was because other people were being affected by it. Like, right. very apparently was when I, um, like, decided I'm like, right. That's usually when it kicks in for people, I feel. When, like, it, and it's specifically people, like, you care about. You know? Like, yeah. when w- like when you hurt someone you care about because of it or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's my big brother. He, like, like my parents both did shift work a lot growing up and were very, like, um, ambitious. And, like, my dad was a firefighter, so... He oh, was, wow. Yeah, he was the <laughs> he was the fire captain of uh, a station in the neighborhood that we lived in. 
And then my mom was an x-ray tech for many years and then like went back to... Whoa! Okay. Have you seen King of Staten Island? King of Staten Island? No, I've not. It's a Pete Davidson movie. And in it, he's like a dude whose dad is a firefighter. And oh, I... Maybe his, his dad, his dad that, died. In, so Pete Davidson in real life, his dad died, died in 9-11. He did. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And so he pretty much plays himself in King of Staten Island. Although they didn't enter 9-11 at all in the, uh, in the movie. Okay. But like the, I think the mom in it works at a hospital. So when you said that, I was like, oh, whoa. Like your life's just like Pete Davidson. <laughs> yeah, and my dad's dead too. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's fine. He's like... Um, he was an angry guy growing up, like in my younger oh, yeah? years, um, until like my parents divorced, and yeah. um, and then he became like pretty cool actually. So like I talk about like him being a dick in some of my sets, but that was just like, man, he's just like struggling, I guess, and like I was, I'm super annoying, <laughs> right? Well, no parents perfect, and yeah. like I think that's something like in adulthood you start to realize more because when you're young, you like kind of resent them. A Big little time. bit. Big but time. when you're older, you're just like, oh, like when you start realizing how hard adult life is, you're like, they were just trying their fucking best and dealing with it the best they can. And sometimes it really fucking sucked. But yeah. at that, the end of the day, it, that's what I mean. Like when I'm yelling at my cat in the morning, I'm just like, fuck, like I'm like, like not being patient enough. You know? Yeah. But yeah. Um, we were super tight, like my later years, like after I got sober or in his later years, rather. Um Right. Yeah, after I got sober, he's like one of my best friends. Like we oh, we, we talked about everything, you know. He like told me about his run in with drugs when he was younger and we just like related to each other so well. Um and but yeah, like going back to like uh joking about him being dead, like he had the darkest humor. Like I definitely attribute like my sense of humor to like how Damn. Yeah, cuz he would like come back from a shift where like he'd try to resuscitate someone and like they wouldn't make it and he'd yeah. like tell us about it, you know? He'd be like so I went to go deal with like this, like some person had fallen or like whatever. And he's like tried to like do CPR on them and um, it didn't work. And I'd be like, shit, it's like that. That sucks. You know, there's this kid, uh, Michael Comenda. There's a skate park named after him. And uh, he was working the shift after the crew that went to go. Like he had, So this kid, Michael Comenda, he was skateboarding on top of the football stadium. Like him and his friends had like snuck on top of it. And we're like doing tricks and stuff, and the kid fell from on top of the football stadium. Like, like fell off the roof. Yep. And <gasps> like, it must have been like ten stories to like the ground. And he described like them picking him up because they used a shovel to scrape uh, him off the ground. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, yeah stuff gross. like that. We don't realize. How bad it is for those like people like firefighters, like like police officers. They've seen fucking shit. Yeah. Like ambulance workers, like just the amount of shit that they've seen mm-hmm. that they have to then process at the end of the day. Like they just got to come home like a normal person at the end of the day and then sit with like what they did that day. Yeah. It's certainly not what most of us do. Exactly. Like, Jesus. He has this one story where him and his crew like went to a call because the neighbors had called about a uh, smell from the house next oh, door. Oh no, dead body. It gets it gets better. And uh they go in and they see this guy and he's like slumped over on his kitchen table and they can see that the back of his head is rotting and there's maggots in it and they're just like, "Oh shit, like a dead body." Like good thing the neighbors called. And they like go to like walk up to the body. And the dude's arm goes into the back of his head, pulls a maggot off, eats it, washes it down with beer. 
So the he guy was alive. He was alive. He had gotten what? He had gotten brain surgery, and he wasn't tending to his wound properly, or no one was looking after him. So it just started to rot, and he just like eventually started developing like maggots in there because flies were getting at him. And uh, I might have to put a warning on this episode. <laughs> That's fucking wild. It's, what the fuck? Yeah. So those are the types of things we talked about at home. Uh, <laughs> You're like, this is just my life, my childhood growing up. Yeah, you're so shocked, but to me, I'm just like, cool. Oh, my God. That's insane. How did you process that as a young kid? Like... I don't know. It's just like I told told people about it a lot, too. Like, I love telling that story to people. Did you get desensitized? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It was just dinner talk. You know, you'd hang out and chat about things and... Like my brothers, like my brother and I were like wild childs for sure. So we did a lot of fucked up shit as kids, and so we'd like be telling our dad like these crazy stories, and then he would tell us his stories, you know. And right, he'd like one up you <laughs> every time. Yeah. Do, where are you in the family? You have a brother. Do you have any other siblings? Or yeah, I have a brother, a sister, and two stepsisters. So are you the where are you at? I'm the youngest. Or, bottom of, of the court. totem pole. I kind of could have predicted. I don't know why <laughs> I thought I could predict that, but I feel like I could have. I don't know. I feel like the youngest people are like a little more rebellious, a little yeah. more. I don't. I don't know what it is because I'm certainly that in my family too. Yeah, I made like misbehaving as a teenager much easier because like my sister had like probably like the most like prototypical upbringing out of all of us. You know, like she's like top of her class in a lot of things. She graduated a year early. Like ballet dancer. Like really. Oh wow! Like A like type. Very yeah. much so. Uh, and. Uh, and then Cameron is a little bit more of like a mixture, you know, like he's very responsible. He's got like a great moral compass. And uh, but like he like loves getting in, like loves like seeing crazy things and would always like go out and party with his friends. And then there was me who had like almost no inhibition growing up and would just do whatever, say whatever. And like no, no situation was too uncomfortable for me. Whoa. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. But you you had a good moral compass too, eh? Like, I mean, like, I think despite all the shit, like, you probably did have a good sense of right and wrong, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, um, like on the times where, like, I'd share a crazy story with my dad, like, I would be misbehaving at school and I'd think it was hilarious and I'd get home and tell him about it later and he'd be like, listen, he's like, he's like, even though it's fun, like, it's fun for you, but not fun for everyone else. Right. You know, he taught me a lot about like discipline. You know, yeah. he's like he's like having discipline is when you're the person watching yourself, making sure you're not doing anything wrong. You know, because like I would never misbehave under the watchful eye of a uh, like authority. Authority. Yes. You know? But when I was allowed, like when I was out of anyone's eyesight, I would like always get into shit. Mm. And so he's like, yeah, discipline is when you're the person watching yourself making sure you don't get into any trouble. And a lot of people don't find that until later in life, like, is the thing. Like, where it's like, I've had moments where it's felt like there's a floating Sarah watching. Mm. Like, watching me be an idiot. Yeah. Like, but, like, I do think that that's, yeah, that's not really taught to people at a young age. Oddly enough, it's, it's usually just do what you're told and... It might be different nowadays. I don't fucking know. But, like, and I don't have the slightest idea how to be a parent. Like, yeah, I, I truly, yeah, I don't know how people do it. I would be a terrible parent at this point in my life. I at this point, yeah. yeah. Do, you want, do you want kids, do you know? Or? One day. Yeah, yeah. one day. Yeah. I, um, but, like, I'd like to be finished my degree when uh, when they come around. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
and I'd like to be a little bit more like stable, like financially and emotionally. Yeah. Know? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. We often forget about that emotional part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just don't want a kid to like be afraid of me coming home. You know? Right. Uh, <laughs> <ew>. <laughs> Um, did, did your parents ever pressure, like, did your dad, um, ever pressure you into like being a firefighter or like, do they have any, do they have any expectations on you as to like, um, what you should do with life or not really? Um, I've been a few things since I've been an adult. So I've been an electrician. I've, uh, done social work. I've been a cook. I've been a server. Whoa. Um, yeah. Jack of all trades. Yeah. I've done a lot of stuff and my parents are always really supportive of me no matter what path I choose. Um, but I remember when I told my parents that I didn't want to be an electrician anymore and that I wanted to go to university, they were like, thank God. Like, Oh, really? Yeah. So they like weren't going to like steer me any different down any different path, but they were like quite relieved to find out I didn't want to be a tradesman. Really? Yeah. See, I find tradesmen, like, that's like one of the most stable things you could do. Yeah. Well, you know it is. Well, my brother, he's a plumber and like he works at, uh, he's like the... He, his title sounds so much more official than I'm about to describe it as. He's like the handyman for the hospital, you know? Like oh, he's nice. like He does maintenance, and so he's the lead hand, is what it is. There you go. Lead hand at the Stonewall Hospital. Um, and then he's the um, plumber for the whole health region that he's in. So if there's ever, like, something that needs fixed at a different hospital than his, they'll, like, fly him out to, like, a different um, community to like fix the thing oh wow then, well he must always be busy i mean imagine yeah. there's a lot of fucking work in that he's got a kid he's got he's got a daughter and then two stepchildren oh wow yeah, yeah. so he's That's very wild. he's very responsible cameron was born to be a dad though like Aww. i've as i was mentioning earlier like my parents were really busy a lot growing up and had a hard time keeping track of me well it wasn't just that like i'm just like a hard person to keep track of but yeah. my brother knew where i was most of the time and would come and find me and like bring me back home or, like, discipline me if I was being a bit of a dick. Like, I remember one time I'd snuck out, and um, it was, like, 3 in the morning, and he found me, um, like, walking down some street in St. James and, like, captured me and, like, brought me back home. Oh, wow. With, without any, like, without my dad telling him to do that. You know, he just, like, he, like, looked so in my he, room. He kind of stepped up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's, oh. like, my, my brother and sister, like, big parental figures in my life. But, um, it's, yeah, we have, we've, we've had a tumultuous relationship, the three of us since, uh, mm. the passing of my father. And how did your dad die? Um, so the word that the coroner gave us is a pulmonary embolism. Um, I've looked it up and their definition of it is different from the internet's definition. So he had a, like a blood clot, um, mm. move up from his leg and it got, ended up in his heart and, uh, Just... made it blow out the side. Yeah. So he was 63 at the time, back oh. in 2017. Wow. Yeah, it was, like, very unexpected. Like, I was um, I was actually masturbating, uh, and then I got a phone call from his neighbor. <laughs> and, like, we were... Your life was made for comedy. <laughs> so I'm, what? like, pants around my ankle, like, on the phone with my dad's neighbor, um, who we weren't talking to at the time. It was really funny, because I, like, I was like, oh, they're calling, like... I'm just going to, like, not answer it. And then after the phone call ended, I called him to be like, why would they call me? And uh, and, oh. then, and then the neighbor answered. <gasps> and uh, Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's like, I was like, I guess I'm on my way. And uh, so I'm, like, run, trying to get out the door. And I'm like. What did they tell? Did they tell you that he died? Uh, yeah, they're very blunt. 
It was, uh, well, they just spent like the last half hour um, trying to resuscitate him while they were waiting for the emergency responders. And were your parents split up at this point? Yeah, they'd been yeah. divorced for years. So he was living alone. Yep. And and then, and so like, and did they just, did they just find him? Like, why, how did they? He was laying on the, on the backyard. Like he was like, Oh, he was outside. He was putting his key in the door. And uh, like, like when they found him, like the key was still in the door and he was like face up on the ground. That's wild. That is so fucking scary how that can just happen out of nowhere. Yeah. That is, that is the scariest thing. Our health is, we truly don't realize how uh, fragile our health is. Mm. And like, because I had a friend also die of a heart attack. And right. Um, Andrew. And, right? Andrew, yeah. And like, that guy, like, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, he was 36, so very unexpected. You don't really expect someone at 36 to have mm-hmm. a heart attack. But he was a very large guy. So I hear. And very much so did not take care of himself. Drank a lot. Did a lot of drugs. Mm. Um, yeah. Probably didn't eat. The best most of the time, although he was trying at the end of it. He, he belus- was really he trying. himself. Yeah. And so you don't realize, like, I think when you're young, you're just like, oh, whatever. Like, my body's strong. I can take it. And it's like, no. Like, the things that we do, like, contribute later. Like, yeah. it builds up. Yeah, you know? Well, it's, uh, it's, I just recently bought a fitness tracker for that reason. because uh, That's a badass one. Holy shit. Sweet. That's high tech. It yeah. looks like a little TV on, on your wrist. Yeah. It's got like all the fun little like apps that you'd want on your phone, but just on my wrist. That's and, amazing. Um, it keeps track of my heart rate. And that's like what I got it for. Was so like... like Cause I, uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to know like the difference in my heart rate between like when I like go out and drinking and like when I stay home at night, it would be interesting. It is pretty interesting to look at. Um, like my resting heart rate goes up about like 10 to 20 beats per minute. Um, if I'm intoxicated <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that timing was wild. That was great. And so, yeah, I was like, wow, like this is like definitely something. Cause like you, when you drink your blood gets thinner and you're, yeah. And your uh, blood pressure goes up, so, right. so your yep. heart rate increases. And um, it's fucking booze, man. This is why, like, I this is why I have a complicated relationship with booze. I do feel like it truly can destroy people if you don't fucking watch it. Yeah, um, it's really scary. How did you react to oh my the news of your dad dying? Like, what was your um? So I was the first, first... person. I was the first person there. Um, so my neighbor found him and then called me. And I like drove. I drove there by myself. Um, it was like right at dusk too, so the sun was like just setting and like just cutting into my eyes the whole time. So I'm like blinded and crying, like racing down Portage Avenue and uh, calling people, and no one was answering. And I finally got there, and like eventually, like my mom, her like had gotten back to me, and um, she was the next person there. But when I got into the backyard, there was just, like a white sheet over him. And, uh, and like all these like, um, emergency responders, like police, firefighter, paramedics, and they were just like asking me a bunch of questions. And I'm like sitting like on his back step, just like chain smoking. Like, Like, can you give me a minute? Yeah, exactly. Like, so overwhelming. Jesus Um, Christ. Yeah, I quit, quit both my jobs. Um, took like two months off. Like, it happened in May. Understandable. Yeah, it actually happened the day before my mom's birthday, funny enough. Mm. And um, see, so yeah, I didn't start working again until like July or August, 
and um, even then, like, I just, like, went and did construction because I just, like, didn't want to do anything that was, like, stressful at all. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. I, uh, I don't know. I got pretty resentful. Mm. Um, not towards him, but just, like, life in general. Of course. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. But I, I was, like, in a relationship with this girl um, that was going to NASCAD out here, and she was home for the summer. And I was planning to move here that fall. And uh, one, of the la- one of the last conversations my dad and I had with one another, um, he was talking about moving to BC. But the way that like the conversation went was I was telling him, I'm like, my main hesitation for leaving would be leaving you. And he's like, don't worry, Joel. By the time you move, I'll be gone. And he meant that he would like have moved. Uh... He would have moved to BC by that point. But in reality, he just ended up passing away. Isn't that wild? Yeah. And so I took it as a sign. I'm like, Holy you know what? shit. I will leave. And so I did. I came here. and The last words thing? That shit gets me. Oh, yeah. Well, it wasn't, shit... it wasn't our last conversation. It was like within like the month before oh, Okay, died. fair. Yeah, fair, yeah. fair. With my friend, the last in-person conversation mm. we had um, was right at the start of lockdown. And... We were, he swung by my apartment to get a webcam because we were like, let's stay in touch over like Zoom and webcam and shit. Like we might not see each other for a bit. Let's podcast over Zoom. And like, because he was my favorite person to podcast with. There was no, no one I'd rather sit down and talk to you. No offense, Joel. <laughs> none, none <taken. laughs> no, one, no one takes a cake to him. Um, but um, or no one takes the cake from him either. But one of the last things I said to him in person not including like Facebook Messenger or whatever was uh, uh, I gave him the webcam. He's like, okay, hopefully see you soon, buddy. And because it was the start of Corona and we were starting to like pick up on how serious the virus was, I said, unless one of us dies. Hmm. Literally, that's what I said. Brutal. Yeah. And I think about it constantly. I mean, that might be something to like uh, carry on your shoulder if like he had killed himself but because it was an accident like I guess it's just one of those coincidences you know it's kind of comical in a weird way definitely it's hilarious like yeah yeah like one day you'll like be able to work that into a set like it's uh, <laughs> up in heaven just yeah dude I taught like um, one of the punchlines of uh, like one of my jokes is like uh, like my dad used to like I'd catch him staring at young women and I'd be like dad that's gross and he'd be like old not dead and then like I like pause for a second and I'm like I guess the joke's on him now. Ah. It's uh, it's pretty dark, but I mm. I think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and he would have laughed at it too. Like it's, uh, I remember the first time I ever said it to someone, like after like he had passed. Like I actually like was like cry laughing. I'm just like that fucking idiot. Like right. Well, that's just. I think that that's. I think the key thing here is is like the person that passed away would have appreciated it. Mm. That's what people have to kind of like realize when people are using humor to like deal with grief. And like, don't get me, don't get me wrong. I'm not a fucking expert on grief. I don't, I don't even know if I'm dealing with it correctly. Mm. But I know that like when when Andrew died because he was a comedian, instant group chat formed with oh, yeah. with other comics, and the title of the group chat was "People Who Easily Outlived Andrew Vaughn." <laughs> and so what happened was was people were finding out about the death because like his roommate was calling people, mm. and as people were finding out, people were getting added to this chat, and like just jokes, jokes right away. But then there would be these little moments of like. Oh, okay, we, we're all really not doing so great. We really miss him. But, like, it was mostly jokes. Yeah. Uh, it was just how we dealt with it. Yeah, dealing with grief is, like, something I think you deal with forever. 
Yes, like, it's, it's ongoing. Yeah, like um, I remember one of my least favorite things that people say to me, other than he's watching down on you because fuck pushing your beliefs on a grieving person. But um, <laughs> uh, shit, where was I? Um, oh, the annoying oh, yeah. things people when think. people when people uh, tell you things are going to get better. You know, because you can't know that. The only guarantee in life is that they will get worse. <laughs> yeah, like the only guarantee is that they'll be different. You know, yeah, like, they'll be different. Like I, I don't, I, I do, I do think. Like I mean, there's certain cliches that I agree with. Like I do think that this shall pass. Generally speaking, is a good phrase to keep in mind when you are in the pit of like things are shit. I like. I mean, I, I mean, we're gonna get really into it, but like I've had suicidal thoughts before, mm. where like. It hasn't been like my joke is like I'm not I'm just mildly suicidal I'm not gonna do anything like I haven't thought about how I'm gonna do it but like I just I've had thoughts where it's like I don't want to be here like I actually don't feel like I should be here yeah um and in those moments in those really dark moments I just go this is gonna pass this is gonna pass this is really really bad but in a couple hours a day two days like however long it takes it will pass hopefully now it doesn't always pass no. It's the thing. I say that I just get used to it. You know, it's just something. It just becomes a part of my life is what it really is. What it comes down to is that it just becomes another fact about me. Yeah. So like if you I was mentioning this when we were talking yesterday, like the more you talk about something and the more you recognize pain that you've experienced, the more control you have over it. Yep. Yeah. So you you can sort of like assign your own value and meaning to it, you know, rather than like looking for it. You can just be like, this is like, this is what this event means to me. And this is what I'm doing about it. Which is, which is interesting because you and I both have dark stuff. We both are both self-deprecating dark humor or like jokes. And like when you said that to me, because like, you know, making a joke about something is our form of control. Exactly, It's our form of taking the control back. And that's an interesting way to look at it. Like. I think more people should look at it that way, and not be and not go, oh, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, like that happened to me the other week. I like talked about like being like insecure and like like um, I was talking about like a like a toxic relationship I was in and like how long I stayed in it. And I was like, yeah, because I have no self-esteem and I hate myself. And like, I, I got an awe from the yeah, audience. I, I know. And, and like, it's always they, weird when they do that. They were my friends, too. And so like I went up to them afterwards and I was like, you said awe during my set. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, it's like, please don't. I was like, yeah, it's hard, though. The, it's, it's a really hard type of comedy to navigate, especially when you're new. Mm. Like, I do think that, like, most newbies don't right out the gate do stuff like that we're doing. Oh. And I don't know if that speaks to maybe this fucking year, 2020, <laughs> yeah. or, like, where we're at in life or what it is. But, like, it's pretty wild to just go up there and, and talk about the stuff that both of us are talking about. Yeah, it's um, it's really cathartic. We're heroes, is yeah, what I'm saying. We are the yeah, heroes of. No, I'm just, if you're looking totally for inspiration, joking. look to us, please. <laughs> Don't be concerned about people who've been doing it. You know, years and years. We we have the answers. <laughs> book us. Yeah, exactly. Please, I'm desperate. <laughs> Total sarcasm, guys. Please do not um, book us. We're not ready. Yeah, definitely not. Um, I uh, yeah, I don't know. I just like. I um me and my roommates we call it um, Michael Scottism. Yes. So I have Michael Scottism where I constantly do things that are embarrassing or uncouth and um, just double down. Uh, double down. And just keep going. Like I don't um like I don't really experience a lot of like shame or embarrassment until like after the fact. You know, it's like only upon reflection in the moment. Yeah. I'm usually pretty like 
uh, aloof. I'd agree. I'd agree. And I feel like embarrassment for me is always... I just have days sometimes where I'm just annoyed with myself. Where I'm like, okay, this is who you're choosing to be, but this is actually annoying to me right now. So... It gets the worst for me when I'm stoned too, and I'm like by myself, and yeah. I'm just like paranoid and like thinking about my like life in the past week, and I'm uh-huh. just like, like I've embarrassed myself so many times. Do you have you been so since starting doing stand up? Like, have you had have you gotten in your head at all about it, or are you just having fun with it and just doing it? I've definitely got in my head about it. Ooh, um, let's talk about that, yeah, please. I uh, I so I I had a really successful night by my standards at um, Oasis. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I think you were there that mm. Mm. I don't way, think was, I've missed an Oasis show since it was been last back. it was last Tuesday so right. not not last night but the week before yeah and um, that went really well like I did a joke about uh, getting assaulted in my sleep um, did a joke about blue balls like it went well and then um, but I'd written most of the set that day and so I was like all right let's keep this going and I wrote a new joke the next day for the show that night uh-huh. and um crickets the entire uh, time and it sounded like the I was, entire time uh I, I did a little bit of crowd work at the beginning and it was like like i was like it's like are you uncomfortable right now and they're like yeah you're staring right into my eyes and i was like oh and then looked away and uh everyone laughed but it was like laughing at me not with me and uh was that the grind yeah and uh <laughs> and i um and then i just hopped into my set and it was like a one like it was one story over and it took me the whole five minutes okay and it didn't didn't go well and like the punchline was like yeah but instead of me killing everyone it just ends up with another failed suicide attempt in 12 months of therapy <laughs> and, oh my god joel joel uh, joel 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 people <laughs> did not respond to it no. and i was really embarrassed and it sounded it like my i like didn't record it, but I imagine that the whole set sounded more like a manifesto oh than like a comedy set. You know what though? You gotta learn these lessons. Like the, the good for you for doing it and trying it mm. because now you have that to learn from. Oh yeah, and I'm gonna go back to it. Like I'm gonna yeah, I'm- go back to it, try rework it. Maybe like I don't know. Like I feel like with dark stuff, I'm like one thing that I keep thinking about is is like you gotta lead people into the dark, not mm. just because like I start it with like my first set. I start it with a Britney like my Britney Spears joke, which is a little like abrasive a little bit. Um, and I realized that I had to change the opener just because I, I couldn't just come at them right away so aggressive mm. like and i mean i think i think most of my stuff is a little aggressive uh-huh. so like when people gave me that feedback i was like well i don't know which which one's the light one they all seem pretty heavy to me yeah. <laughs> like honestly so it's really tricky to navigate that mm-hmm. but you just got to do more sets and feel it out more and yeah. really that's what it is because bad sets are going to come and um i mean like like you got it out of the way you know you got exactly. your first your first bad one and but i get it too because it's a high. Like, when you start doing it, it truly is a, like, serotonin high. And then you have the crash of, like, okay, this is reality. Like, like my first two sets that whole week was wild for me. Like, compliments all the time and yeah. support, support, support. And then it was, like, third set happened. And I was, like, all of that's gone. Like, you're done. You had your little, like, your little debut, your little moment. It's over now. Put the work in. Like, and it was this really big crash for me yeah i remember kirsten was uh talking to me after a show one time and um it was like i think it was before my first set at the shoe shop it was a week before we were talking about it afterwards and um 
she's like, I did really well my first three sets. And yeah. then after that, bombed. And I was like, oof. It's like, that gives me something to look forward it's to. It's common. I guess. It's common. Yeah. It's very common. And I don't know what it is about, like, I don't know. Maybe it's you're going into it with more com- But you wouldn't think that you'd be going into it with more confidence your first time because you think you'd be more nervous. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's you do well, you get that, like, ego boost, and then you get too cocky. And it gets kind of taken away. Yeah. Well, like, like soon uh, after. For me, like the first like few, like for the first month of shows that we were doing in Halifax, I yeah. was like bringing a lot of people that I knew. And yeah. so when I was going up, it was like mostly people in the audience that knew me. And that skews it, doesn't it? A little bit. And so I've done um, like I did a set at District 5 and like I at the first night there. Yes. I, I didn't feel good about it. But afterwards, everyone came up to me and they're like, you did great, man. And I was like. Yeah, it's so much of, well, we're always going to be harder on ourselves than other people will be. Um, That's just like kind of a fact of being a human. Like we're just like wired to beat ourselves up. Um, It's like public speaking. Like you you think you're shaking, you think you're, but like people don't notice those things. Mm. Um, It's funny. District 5 was like one of my worst sets too. That was your second one at District 5, right? I, so it was, so I did, I did. Daily Grind is my first. Okay. I did Ladies Night is my second. Uh-huh. Um, and then the th- I think it was the... Th- it was that week. Was the third was The Grind again, and that was okay. Uh, okay. And it was the fourth set that was the worst one, gotcha. which was at District 5. And then I did Shoe Shop, and then I, I did Last Night. So I've done six. Amazing. Yeah. I did not keep track of one that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though. That means you've probably done it quite a bit. I've been going up like once or twice a week since yeah. um, we started at the grind. That's really, really good. It's been fun. Um, I've like been writing a lot. Um, I've been like reworking stuff after like the failure last week at the grind. Um, I've just decided I'm like, I'm going to just rework some old stuff until I like. There you go. But sometimes you got to do that. You got to throw a new joke at the wall just mm. to see, suss it out yeah. and then work on it a bit, bring it back, suss it out again. That's like gonna be what comedy is um, yeah. and like the- I remember like I messaged my like I have a really good friend in Winnipeg Chad Anderson and shout out Chad yeah um, he uh, he's been a comedian since I've known him I met him like eight years ago must have been and um, now that I've started doing comedy he's been like a lot of help and support and I messaged him and I was like I bombed my set tonight and he's like welcome to comedy <laughs> yeah uh-huh uh-huh no it's interesting so, like, do you definitely say that that was a bomb? Um, I, like, almost, said, like, I was so, like, awkward and embarrassed at the end of it. I almost said, like, my real name. Like, when I was, oh! like, I was, like, I was, like, thanks very much. I'm Joel. I Joel haven't done Franklin. That. I haven't like, done that yet. I haven't done the I'm Sarah McClellan at the end. I noticed everyone does it. Like, people will be, like, like they get introduced. They get introduced. They'll be, like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And then they go on and they do their bit. And then, like, after they, like do their pun like their finisher they're like thanks very much i've been so and so and then they get off and it's about should try it next time i think it's i've about, been like, i've been recognition when i started doing that i was very hell-bent on carrying on andrew vaughn's way of ending his set which was like he would say he would say his last punchline then he just goes bye and like left the stage i was like i'm gonna do that in honor of the big cat um when i end my sets and every time i'm up there i just go that's it guys thanks <laughs> That's great. I think, like, as long as you have, like, your... Sh- like Your, your thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that might be my thing. Although I, I might try doing the, 
Thanks, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm probably going to stumble on it. Stumble um, on my own, my own name. Robbie's been giving me a lot of pointers um, oh, after yeah. sets and stuff. And uh, one of the first things he ever pointed out to me was that I left the mic stand in front of me. I've been doing that, too. <laughs> me and Travis Lindsay just recorded, and we did a new comic bingo. Right. We filled out a bingo card of like very typical things that new comics do, and we didn't add that one. That's a good one to add. Mm. Vicky last night got on my case about it, too. She's like... Because she's been taking pictures of me when I'm up there. I'm like, thank you, Vicky. And then she's like, you got to move that mic stand. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I fucking know. I got to move why I can't do it. <laughs> it's and, so weird. And then I've seen like, I like some people like use it during their set. You yeah, know? And, that's wild. And so like, whenever, whenever, like when Robbie told me the first time, he's like, he's like, you got to move that stand out of the way. Yeah. The next set I did. And I was like. I know some of you have been bothered by the fact that I forgot to do this last time. And I like, oh, move, yeah. Move the stand. And then um, I've been helping him set up, too, at the grind. And um, so I was, like, messing around with the microphone stand because I didn't want to, like, be the kind of person that, like, tried to adjust it. Yeah, I mean, I'm very conscious of that as well. I'm like, I don't want to fuck with that to even just, like, open myself up to that awkwardness. Exactly. And so, like, like, were you there when I did that bit about um, the Pina Colada song? Pina like uh, Rupert Holmes has a song called Escape, you know, and it's but everyone knows it's a Pina Colada song. Like, if you like Pina, Pina Coladas, getting caught in, in the rain. rain, that's the one. Um, I did a whole bit about it, but um, I was like, I was like, I learned how to use a microphone stand earlier, and I like unlike t- like loosened it and then like pulled it up to my height, which is like so much taller than I like realized, and then I was like. Yeah, I was like, "This is me now." It's like I talk into a microphone stand. <laughs> I yeah, I it was um, yeah. So I've been like sort of making fun of myself a lot on stage. And, That's like, good. Like, That's good. You should. I mean, <laughs> I didn't mean that. I was yeah, like, please, you should make <laughs> please make fun of yourself. You're terrible. I laugh all the time. But I just mean like I think that that's an endearing quality in a comic, like mm. the humility. And that's interesting. So Robbie's giving you pointers because, like, I could actually see some similarities between you two in terms of like stage presence and stuff. That's interesting. Yeah, he's just—I uh, don't know why he likes me. I like, Aww. Uh, he uh, like I help him set up sometimes. Like, and I got like Dan, like the guy that plays keyboards. Like, yeah. that's my roommate. And um, like, I remember the first show I went to at the shoe shop. Um, Robbie's like walking around afterwards, and he's like, "Does anyone know how to play the piano?" And I was like, "I." My hand shoots up and he's like, you know how to play the piano? And I was like, no. But I know the best piano player I've ever met in my life. He's my roommate. He will do this. Oh my gosh. And, I, and that's how it happened? I called him like, I was like sitting at, at the shoe shop and like uh, like Robbie's looking at me and I'm talking to Dan on the phone. I'm like, do you want to play music at these shows? And, oh my gosh. And he's like, uh, I have to think about it. I'm like, no, right now, like yes or no. Yes or no, take it or leave it. Yeah. And he said, yeah. And so. That's unreal. Is he ever going to do stand up? <laughs> We've been pushing him to do it he uh we need more we need more in our class we gotta you and i should recruit oh yeah we should try and get more people to do this mm-hmm. uh i think that's a great idea yeah like, just like pressure people into it like bully them into going on stage yeah like <laughs> send someone a message hey your name's on this open mic set list like come on down otherwise people are expecting you exactly. come on down no dan has a couple jokes written out um although he's not confident in them enough that's to fair. do a bit but that's fair he, um, one night, like, there's a song that someone made for Robbie. It's a friend of his. And it's, um, Robbie Vino has no friends and he's not very funny. And <laughs> it's hilarious. Only it's a great song. one of those things is true. I think he has <laughs> a lot of friends. 
And that's like the running joke in the community is that like he's not funny, but he's actually hilarious. He's actually very funny. Robbie has Robbie ha- is a good. Um, I think he's really excellent at communicating with a crowd and having that back and forth with a crowd. Mm. Um, like there's a reason I like I picked him as a co-host for my live show because right. I was just like, yeah, I need someone who can warm them up, make them excited. And like that quality, like a lot of new comics wish they would have that. And he, mm. he has that naturally. So yeah, he doesn't write like the other day we were hanging out before um, the show. Like I, he'd picked me and Dan up and then we set up and then we went to go buy jewel pods because we're fucking losers. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, what should I do tonight? And I was like, sorry, yeah. what? He's like, he just by the, he just he just rolls with it, like yeah. it's, which is definitely like I would never do that. It's not for everybody, yeah. but he 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 does it. He makes it work. Yeah, he's like, it's like half an hour before showtime, and he's like, he's like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, he's like, but I'm, sure, I'm I'm sure it'll be great. And uh, it was, he did really well. He's all yeah. he always kills it. I I find. Yeah, he like it natural on stage, stage presence, like that type of shit. Like, I mean, that's a whole other. Um, you know, there's a lot of things you got to have as a comic to be a good comic. And when you're new and starting out, you're figuring out all those components. And like Travis Lindsay was saying, like, you know, you might have you might have really strong jokes, but you have to work on the character and the presence on stage. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you have really good stage presence and your jokes are OK, but you got to work on the joke. Like it's there's work to do. Yeah. For everybody. And like even people who are years in, ha- they have to realize that it's constant work. Um, even when you're a pro, it's constant fucking work. Oh, That's yeah. The thing well, about like, the art. When like uh, like Jim Gaffigan, Tom Segura, and like uh, there's some other person I'm trying to think of right now. But they come up with a new special every year. Yeah. You know? like, and so that means that they're doing like a whole hour of material every year, which is fucking crazy to think about. Cause like, Isn't that wild? Yeah. An hour. An hour. We're doing five to seven. Exactly. Isn't and that crazy? It's pretty nuts. And so, like, I never understood, like, how much appreciation I should have for what these guys are doing on stage. Right? I know. And now that I've done it, I'm just like, holy shit, these guys are gods. I truly... Like, even just little things. Little things like, people make fun of me for taking my big notebook up with me. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. I'll yeah. do what I want for now. Oh, dude. Um, but, like, even just the idea of not going up there with notes, like, that to me is wild. And I, I don't know how long it'll take me to get there, but, like, I really heavily rely on my notes to, like, just jog my memory with things. And I that's my goal for myself, is I want to get better at just kind of having them up here and picking from them up here. Um, and, like, when people do that, I'm just like, that's insane to me. Yeah. Just to go up and go... What else? Hmm, okay, I got this one. Like, it's, crazy. it's yeah, and so that's what I'm trying to do. Like tonight, like I have a set list of like jokes that I've done before, and yeah. I have them pretty well, like rehearsed in my head. And so I'll just have like the title of the jokes, and they'll be on a paper, and I'll nice. look down at them. Whereas like before, my set lists are like very like, it's, like there's so much detail, like the word for word almost. Or? It's crazy. Like the the other week, um, I did a set at the grind, and um, like oh, if I can pull it out. Yeah, here it is. This is my. This is what I brought on stage with me. Like it's like two. Like this is the first. It's pretty word for word. Yeah, and then like Durham gave me a joke to read like <laughs> on stage, and that's what I opened with. But um, yeah, so I like I'd written most of this the day of, and then took it on stage with me. That's crazy. So when I do it, I do titles and bullet points. Mm. Oh, bullet yes. points of the main components. So here's tonight's. So there you go. It's like the joke. The, the that's kind of similar that's exactly what I do the joke the bridge joke bridge and then 
Right. On. Right. Damn. Well, we're in this ride together, buddy. It's going to be... We'll see how it goes. It's going to be interesting, eh? Uh, it's funny. What, I, I didn't... What? What about dating? Are you dating? We're going to uh, get into personal shit. This is a personal podcast. Um, I'm dating. Yeah. Not anywhere... <laughs> Like I'm, I was on. I actually just deleted my dating apps. Um, I was literally going to say, "Can I see your profile?" Because I'm always fascinated with uh, guys' profile. Yeah. Um, my <laughs> so I was on Tinder and Hinge. Um, Tinder definitely fell by the wayside. Hinge was much more lucrative. Hinge for is me. great. It's pretty. It's sweet. a much better app. Um, well, it just like makes it easier to like show your personality before. Um, like yeah. In, in Tinder, you have pictures, and then you make your bio. But on Hinge, it like you get prompts for everything so every picture you put you can like put a caption on and every and then there's like the three prompts that they ask you so there are questions that you answer yeah and so like mine were super dumb it's like um it's like this is like non-negotiable for me it's like facial hair you gotta have some you know Ah. um it's like the hallmark of a good relationship is choosing coals instead of a hallmark right yeah and now that like yeah you can be funny with the prompts which is great yeah and you can also respond really like you can respond to people's prompts exactly and be funny so when you message someone you can like comment directly to the thing that they like have written out so it works out really well um so yeah, I've met a couple of people off of that. Um, there's like, I went on like maybe like, there was like a two or three week period where I was going on like two or three dates a week. And Crazy. It's it was, a lot of dates. It wasn't, yeah, like people were to getting. To me, that's a lot. People were getting sick of like listening to me talk about it. They're just, oh, really? My roommates are just like, what are you doing tonight, Joel? I'm just like, oh, I think I'm going on a date. I don't know. We'll see. They're just like, dude, like fuck off. Like, <gasps> What's your date style? Like what, um... What do you typically do? Drinks? My go-to is to ask for drinks. Yeah. Drinks. But um, my favorite date I've been on recently was I asked a girl to meet me like at the chain yard. And then, Great date spot. And then we took the ferry over to the Value Village and went thrift shopping together. And then, What? That's crazy. That's and, nice. Yeah, yeah. So like they weren't from here. So like it was their first time on the ferry. We take the ferry out to like the Woodside Terminal. Yeah. Did some thrift shopping like I got a couple books. They got a hat. And then uh, we like took the ferry back and we ended up hanging out at her place for like hours. Oh. Yeah. yeah just chatting and stuff. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I, I'm not much for kissing on the first date though. I'm much more interested in like, this is like. Good. We shouldn't. I have a matchmaker friend. That's one of her rules. Mm. No. Like when she sets you up on a um, <laughs> date through her system, it's no number exchanges, no last names, no kissing the first date. Mm. Yeah. I just, uh, I just feel like it's like a great way to ruin a first date, you know, like because yeah. like there's no natural like unless it's like someone that you've known for a long time. There's usually no natural point to like make it like to like go in for the kiss, you know, like no, unless it like unless it's like like fire, exceptionally good fireworks right from the beginning. Yeah, I don't think I've ever if I ever I don't think I've ever kissed someone on the first date. I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's that's a that's a new rule. New like. rule for that's good though, because like I I do think like I think third date is when things can start to get yeah. physical. There's there's one date I went on one time with uh, I was back in Winnipeg and I was visiting since I've been living here and we got went for ice cream. Like she met me actually. I usually drink a little bit before dates just so I like feel a little bit like more loose and um, so I like had a couple beers went downtown. I was waiting for her, so I like sat at a bar and then met these geologists. Like, and um, that's just like made I, friends with them. Yeah, made typical friends. Joel. 
made friends with people at like wherever I was sitting, and then um, they bought me a couple drinks, and so I'm like actually like close to like slurring words, and then like this girl shows up, and we go get ice cream, we go for a long walk, and um, and then like she's like sharing the story about some dude that like got baked before. Her, their first date oh my god and like she called him out on it and he starts crying like <laughs> and um so she's like like this dude is like clearly going through like some sort of mental breakdown yeah. like thinks it would be a good idea to smoke weed before this date and this girl just calls him out on it and like what she said to me was she's like she's like if you want to smoke weed on a date at least share, yeah at least share it yeah 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 I think that happened to me too with a date once that like it didn't like I was just like I'm, I'm not interested and he's like in all fairness I was really high I was like I don't think this I don't think that's gonna change anything because like, oh. if if you if you're high on a first date you're probably high a lot yeah and um, if I don't if I can't get down with you high then and you're high all the time I can't date you yeah, so that's yeah. that's a good point yeah and uh, yeah so but with this girl we uh, I walked her back to her apartment and I was like well I strangely enough I had parked right beside her apartment and like walked to like the place we decided to meet ah. so I was like we're like well, I'll walk you home like where do you live and she's like I live right here and I'm like I literally parked my car outside your place so we walk out and then I'm like so listen you mentioned earlier that like if you wanted to get baked on a date I should ask and I was like how do you feel about smoking a little bit of weed invites me up to her apartment and then like I spent spent the night so that, <laughs> that was that's a, smooth that was a great first date well yeah. that's a good way to like it's always like dates are. Fu- Can we just say it? Dates are fucking awkward. Do you find them awkward? I feel like you're kind of a natural at dates. Yeah, are you? Uh, yeah. Fuck you. Oh my god. <laughs> of course like, you are. I just don't look at it like a date. You know, you're just meeting someone. Like, and I just, I just always order a bottle of wine. It's like what I do. It's like <laughs> I don't like, I don't like what. What are you drinking? What are you drinking? I'm like, we should get a bottle of wine. What do you want? Red or white? And then like we go through the price list, and I'm like, listen, we're not going to get anything more expensive than like the two or three cheapest bottles. Right. 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 Okay. And then there's no server interruption either because you're pouring your own wine. So you just get to sit there and like. Oh, that's actually a really good idea. That's a good little insight thing. Mm. I just find the ends awkward because it's like, do you say, I'll see you soon or I'd like to see you again? Or like, like, it, like the the end is what I dread. I don't even really care about the beginning because I'm like, whatever. Yeah. We're on this ride. Let's just do this. But like, the end is always really tough for me, and then it's the follow up after that I find that I always shit the fucking bed. It's like big time. The beginning of the date and like maybe like the like middle, like the like beginning to middle should be like a little bit rehearsed, and you should have your own sort of like, um, like uh, things that you want to do, like like mm-hmm. things you want to say or like directions you want to steer the date in. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the date, and then like going off after. I think that should, like, be dependent on, like, how the date went. You know, like, you can't have, like, a recipe for finishing a date and then... That's true. The next day, like, there's, like, people where I've, like, been on a date with and things go great. And, like, I'm, like, I'll message you. And then, like, I message... Like, I send them a message, like, a day or two later. And they're, like, listen, you're great. I'm just not looking for anything right Right. now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Normally, it's not... uh Physically, on the first date, that, like, any rejection happens. Like, it's always the text afterwards, right? Like, most people... Most people don't end a date by going I'm not interested like looking at the person and 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 like that would be brutal that would be brutal I I mean I'm sure there's times where you've finished a date and you're just like I never want to see this person yeah. again oh absolutely like I, I I've only been on maybe one or two terrible dates I've been pretty lucky they've been pretty like mild and mm. neutral and okay right but to me that's not a good date 
that's no, hey. but that's just not a bad date either it's yeah, just it's just a date it's just meh yeah meh. it's just meh and it's I just think that the the good ones where you leave thinking about the person and you're like, oh, I could really hang out with that person again. Those are the ones that should turn into second dates. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the whole dating, like dating culture is such a weird thing because like to me. So weird. Like, especially if like you start dating someone and then it gets like physically intimate before you're like fully emotionally intimate. Mm-hmm. It sort of like sets you up for failure because like. 100%. Because uh, like if you start like because like there's like levels of intimacy you know like there's like yeah. face value there's like you enjoy doing the same thing together you enjoy spending time with the person and then like you're intimate you know yeah and if you like mess that up along the way it can sort of jumble things and you become like dependent on sex as yeah. like uh like part of the relationship you know where mm-hmm. sex should be a part of a relationship but it shouldn't be like a factor in it you know like, it shouldn't be the the main thing exactly because like sex stuff can be like you have bad first time sex like you can probably make it better you can probably like just learn to communicate more and change that shit but things like talking conversation having the same values connecting understanding each other like that shit like you gotta have that right off the bat yeah you gotta have that and i'm a huge fan of drawing it out until you can't take it anymore like i'm just like I like sexual tension more than I like sex. Mm. I feel like <laughs> well, yeah. I actually like I I will ding the bell for myself on that. Like I I uh, and sometimes it is better than <laughs> sexual sex. Really? Yeah. Well, like uh, especially you draw it out too much. Especially if you're like really attracted to someone and then you finally have sex with them and it's lackluster. Well, that's just it, right? That's, and that's the danger of it. Yeah. That would be. It's finding that right balance between too much sexual tension and just enough. Like. You can't, yeah, you can't draw it out too, too long. Like two years, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe, a, uh, a bit of a stretch. maybe don't do that, Sarah. <laughs> Have you done that? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, poor guy. Poor guy. Poor guy had the option and said no. Poor uh, me. Yeah, brutal. long story. Brutal. But yeah, very and, complicated. But, but then the other way is like you can have sex with someone and it's incredible, yeah. you know? And then you try and form a relationship with the person after the fact. And you're and like, like yeah like red red flags all over the place and then like it just keeps going because like like being in like physically intimate is like so wonderful that you just look past the shitty things it's pretty wild it's um it's weird because then you yeah you do hear stories of of like couples who like fucked on the first date and like they're fine and they're together still and like it's like yeah sometimes it does work but for the most part i don't wanna like i went on a date recently where i was really into him very attracted i thought he was attracted to me like he flirted with me via text afterwards but i Mm. pumped the brakes on the flirty texting because i was like this is dangerous this could lead to sexting and i don't want it to go there because i don't want to be the sexting girl because in the past i've had guys just sexed with me and not actually sex me (laughs) and i'm like i'm not doing that anymore you gotta be a feet guy not a hand guy (laughs) feet like hand guys are the texters right Feet guys are the ones walking to your place and doing uh, it, and I don't, I don't need hand guys anymore. I need guys who are actually showing up. Gotcha. Um, so I pumped the brakes on the flirtiness just for my own like, like insecurity, and then I think that like he fucked off because I did that and I lost him. So mm. I was just like, fuck. 
fuck? There's no right way around this. I don't know. I'm the worst texter. Like, I'm oh, like, really? Well, you've talked with me on, like, you send me, like, this long message, and I'm like, that's great. No, <laughs> no, no, but that's good, because you actually write back, uh. and you're concise. I don't think that that's bad at all. I think a bad texter is someone who, like, doesn't respond right away, mm. or, like, isn't clear. Isn't clear on what they're saying. You're you're concise and clear, even though it's short. That's great. Well, yeah. I, but I guess, like, where I'm going with this is, like, I suck at, like texting like people that i'm like romantic Dang. with like i like i had this one girlfriend and she would like text me like at the end of the night she's like "Ooh, like you're so like like she just like get into it you know like i don't want to like i'm not going to try and recreate it because it'll just sound awful but yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah. she's like i'm so hot for you like and i'd be like you're really pretty <laughs> like like yeah great and, but I'm like sitting at home watching TV with the boys you know like I'm not like motivated oh to like be sexy it's and- hard for a lot of people I could honestly teach a class on it I feel like <laughs> I feel like I could teach men and women how to sex at this point because I've yeah. done it so much mm. it's tricky though like I mean I think sexting like one of a good go- a good go to is is like if you're if you're weirded out by saying talking first person, talk about like a fantasy you have or like talk about a future plan that's like a fantasy in your head. Okay. That's a good way to get into it. Smart. Yeah, like okay. if I was if we met up tomorrow, this is what I would do. Ooh. Or this is what would happen. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's just a little easier than going, Yeah, right now I'm so hard for you. Right? It <laughs> sounds so fucking awkward and awful. It's like it's like great. Right. It's like oh, I Yeah. Don't know. Yeah, like, like it's pictures make it even worse because like yeah. I think the female form is like so incredible and um, but like dudes it's like we just have like the only sexual part of our like body or the only part that's been sexualized is like our genitals you know but also with, like, chest though I, I think yeah. I, I think I think y'all have been sexualized a lot more than you think okay fair enough honestly like shirtless guys muscle arms girls love shoulders too oh yeah like a, a shoulder like a back. Shoulder back. <laughs> okay, good to know. I this, love a shoulder back. I'm learning a lot right now. Um, I think, yeah, there's... <clears throat> guys are scared to send pictures. I've asked for pictures before and not gotten them and been pissed. Because I'm like, I'm showing you so much of me. Like, you've seen everything of me. You've seen every inch. Um, And... All I'm saying is, is like, send me a picture of, like, your, your heart on, even just through your boxers. Right. And you won't send me that. Mm. When I'm asking for it, it's not an unsolicited dick pic. If the girl is like, <laughs> "Please send me this. I want to see it," uh, it's like the opposite. I should turn that into a bet somehow. Yeah, you, I'm like begging for a dick pic. You're, you're there. <laughs> like, yeah, that's almost a joke for sure. Um, and then they don't. But I also get why they don't. But like, it's just like it seems just like tricky. a terrible economy. You know, like there's like these great pictures of like boobs and ass, and then like all I've got is just like this like weird looking appendage coming out like my crotch some dudes though some guys love setting their dick like my hookup buddy who's the firefighter Ooh, made me cut that although right. it's in it's in one of my jokes so i don't, I don't sure. really care um but um but like he he's like an exponent exponent exponentialist what's that word exhibitionist Ex- that's there it is thank you <laughs> um and he loves he, he just sends me snapchats all the time and I don't think it's unsolicited because we are hookup buddies. Right. But I'm just like, you are the the one guy I know who just fucking loves sending his dick yeah, to people. That's like, that's Most guys don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those guys, you know. And then uh, <laughs> I remember one time, it's so embarrassing, I shouldn't tell this story, but I'm going to. Um, We're at the end. Whoever hears it deserves that. Um, I, uh, I, was, I was going through a breakup. This is back in Winnipeg. 
and uh, I hopped on Tinder because I was like feeling lonely and needed some validation. And I was talking with this one lady, and um, they were sending me some pictures, and they're like, "All right, now you." And I was like, "All right, sure." And I like tried to get it up, but like I was like in such like a like I was not doing well at the time, and so I couldn't even like send an old picture. So I sent a picture of my flaccid penis to this girl. <laughs> That's ballsy. It was fucking did not work. Did not work out. Didn't say anything. I never heard from him again. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Wow. It was. And you didn't try to recover from nah, that. I was like really depressed and like like so devastated by this girl that I just broke up with and like was just. Yeah. Next time you're hard, take a picture. And make sure it's saved, like, put it in, like, a, your favorites or something, where you can easily find it. And uh, and then just use that next time. I don't like that. I know, it's fair. That's just what I do. I, I send recycled nudes all the time. That's, I don't want to recycle is my thing, like, you know, like... But I heard recently, um, on a podcast, uh, Olivia Munn was on Whitney Cummins' podcast, and she was saying, you gotta be careful with that, because if you do send an old picture... And they save it. Mm. It will save in their phone under the date that you took it. Right. So it'll be obvious right away uh, if they save it, if it was an old picture. Gotcha. So they say, take screenshots <laughs> of your old pictures. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just hoping that whatever future relationship I end up in, nudes aren't a big part of it. That's fair. I mean, you shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. If if you live in the same city, just fuck. Like you don't need to be sending pictures. Right. Like I like how we've derailed like so we far. We truly have. I we haven't even gotten into like soberness and stuff. Oh yeah. Well, like I feel like we could we could make that another episode, maybe. We we're can. at we're at one fifty now. You gotta get to the grind. I gotta feed my cat. You gotta feed your cat. Um We can go on for a little bit longer. I'm, like, I have yeah, I was gonna say I have a game that I usually play with new new guests to get to know them. Sure. Um it's just a quick questionnaire mm. um uh, to get to know Joel without r- me explicitly asking you what these it's a Freudian questionnaire. Ah, okay. Freud is great. So uh, I, I've been playing this with a lot of people. I'm sorry, listeners, if you're getting sick of it, but they're good conversation starters. So fuck you. It's like you try. It's just like Hinge. We're exactly. Yeah. What is your favorite um, article of clothing? T-shirts. Do you have a specific one that you that you love, like of yours, or just t-shirts in general? Um, I like tight white tees, sort of like what I'm wearing right now. Tight white tees. Mm-hmm. Okay, so three things about why you like tight white tees. Um, I'm kind of vain. I enjoy um, the way my body looks, so I like to show it off. White tees are very... Uh, you can match them with anything, really. Okay. And um, I kind of feel a little bit like Marlon Brando, you know, like from uh, Streetcar Named Desire, where he has, like, the cigarettes tucked underneath his shoulder sleeve. Like, that's... Uh, so kind of badass? A little bit. But, like, it's also a white tee, and, like, it's, like, such a, like, a basic thing for guys to do now. Like, I... like. The worst is like when you come across a group of guys walking down the street and they're all wearing white tees. And I'm just like, who the like is any one of you an individual or are you guys just all the same person? It works, though. I do. I do agree. It's it's classic staple for a guy, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I can like I'm, it's so easy to match like all my I have many different colored pants and I can always wear a white T-shirt with them. And then it, like I have like a I have, like a button up that I like matched with it. And so it's like it's a great undershirt as well. Sweet. OK, mm-hmm. I can work with that. Um your um what is next oh whoops i missed one so your favorite animal uh my favorite animal is a dog 
Okay. Why? Um, I feel like me and dogs are very similar, you know, easily excitable, um, very passionate, uh, loyal when, when it's the right person and um, just like easygoing. Easygoing. Perfect. Um, your favorite body of water. Favorite body of water. And so this can be specific or it can just be like ocean, lake, like, mm. like, or if you have like a specific one. Yeah, there's a creek that ran through, like, so I love the ocean. Like, that's why I love being, one of the main reasons I love being out here, I learned to surf since I've been here. Fuck but, yeah. um, my favorite body of water is Sturgeon Creek. It's a, it's a creek that runs through, like, a, a field behind the house that I lived in, like, the first house I ever lived in. And, uh, my dad played in it when he was growing up. I played in it growing up. Um, the most recent experience I had with it was me and a good friend of mine. We got day drunk and passed out it like right beside it. And, like, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. We it was like one of my last times visiting, and like we hung out and uh, we'd partied the night before, and then we're hanging out during the day, drank a bunch of beer, went down to Sturgeon Creek, passed out, got sunburnt, and like went to go have dinner with his parents afterwards, and we're all just like. <sighs> hung over from like the day and like sunburnt and they're trying to have like a nice conversation with us and we're just like you're just like done yeah like toasted yeah yeah. what yeah. about the creek specifically do you like so like give memories with it but like when you think about it as a body of water uh it's just it's got lots of um nature around it so like leading up to it it's grassy and then there's like these big reeds like you know like the ones where you like they're like the brown tops and they like have the fluffy stuff inside of them um i played with those a lot growing up I don't picturesque? Know, just, picturesque like would you say it's picturesque yeah okay. it's it's like very um adventures of tom sawyer you know okay interesting that's gonna be an interesting one to work with sure. um <laughs> um how would you feel if you were in a white room so all white like no windows totally white kind of bright like how do i feel in those rooms um pretty normal actually like uh it kind of reminds me of a classroom or like a hospital room Mm -hmm. and like like my parents are both in healthcare, so i spent a lot of time hanging out in hospitals growing up so you'd be like you'd be calm yeah and i'd probably start singing that cream song like a white room (laughs) in the white room it wouldn't give you nerves or make you anxious no fluorescent lights and like no paint on the wall doesn't seem out of the ordinary for me Mm, okay this going to be interesting. All right. So your your favorite animal is actually, you kind of just said it when you were describing it. it it's how you see yourself. Mm-hmm. So you said easily excitable, loyal, passionate, and easygoing. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that that works really well. Favorite article of clothing. T-shirts. Is how other people see you. Ah. Which was vain. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Both try to deny you that. like your body in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it matches with everything and badass. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's how other people see you. Okay. Um, this is a weird one. Body of water is how you view sex. Ah. <laughs> this question is always weird because people are always like, it's very nostalgic and I played with my dad in it. And, like, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. how do I make this about sex? But you did say, like, it's picturesque. Mm. Like, you described the surroundings a lot. So, like, are you, like, a visual person yeah, with sex? So. Okay, so that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the white room is how you view death, which is interesting. <laughs> Very comfortable with it, yes. That, you, death has been a big part of my life. Like, uh, even, like, with my dad doing, like, firefighting and my mom doing x-ray tech, um, like, after I got involved in the addictions community, um, you get close with a lot of, like, well, like, being like a drug addict, like a lot of the people I knew growing up have passed away. 
Um, and then a lot of people I met through like being s- sober have passed away. Right. Yeah. Like um, I had one summer where like four people died in the same month. It was fucking. So you've had a lot of experiences with like, are you, I always ask this right the very fucking end, but like, are you, does death, does your own death freak you out or? Nah, I just be sad for the people that like me. You know, I don't have to deal with wow, it. Wow, that's a really good way to think about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like, once I die, like, that's it. Like, like my hopes and dreams don't... Like, my fear of it is inconsequential because it's happened, you know? But it's just like... So you're not afraid of it? I mean, like, if someone held a gun to my head, I'd probably ask them not to shoot me. But, <laughs> you know, in, like, a real polite way, is like, hey, could you get that out of here? Like, <laughs> Yeah, please, no. I'd prefer not. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. But uh, it's not like a crippling anxiety fear that you have. No, I'm not okay. afraid. Of, I'm not afraid of death. Like, um, I've, like... <laughs> Like, I tried to kill myself when I was 11 for the first time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus intoxicated. Just bringing it out right at the end here. Yeah, how uh, would you do Like, how? Like, how? Um, well, I was pretty dumb as a kid. So, like, I barricaded myself in my room and um, wasn't going to leave until I, like, had figured out a way to kill myself. But then my brother, like, what? Like, my friends showed up because I just, like, abruptly left, like, a hangout. And then, like, my brother was home and they're, like, knocking on the door. So, like, there's people on the other side I couldn't really, it wasn't something that I could have gotten with wow jesus yeah. christ mm. we have you people here on this episode today um uh oh yeah and the other three things that i usually ask my people before they leave is you gotta tell me um one thing you really like about yourself uh-huh. one thing you really don't like about yourself that you're working on as right. a person right. and an unpopular opinion that you have okay uh, so one thing I do like about myself is, um, people usually feel comfortable talking with me. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I don't like about myself is that I usually say things that I shouldn't to <laughs> others. Um, so like I, I try to be mindful of, um, how I talk to people. Like, um, the other night <laughs> at oh, the staff man. party, he's like, <laughs> my boss is complaining at me cause he's, uh, he's like, everyone's late he's like why did no one show up at the time i asked them to and i'm like dude like we all work together we're always late like why would you expect any different <laughs> and he's like he's like joel you're not doing a bit right now stop making fun of me and i was like sorry man like, so I, it's kind of you cannot like the no, it's no filter but like almost in a detrimental way yeah, sometimes it can, it can be to my detriment for sure um, i feel like that's one that you could easily spin into a positive yeah i'm very blunt but, like i mm. um i i I'm very. Uh, I have a lot of candor, and I re- and I often lack couth. You know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Is it something that you're working on, or is it just something that you're just kind of like, "Fuck, I hate that about me." Uh, it's definitely something that like has been getting on my nerves a little bit, and I want to change. Um, like I will get home after a night of like spending time with people and like reflect on it, and like as I'm like journaling, I'll be like, "Stop telling people about this." Like no one wants right. to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. And then unpopular opinion. So um, this is like like something that you think that like most people would disagree with you or or like the vast majority of people would, would disagree. Mm. We can get controversial or or it can be silly. Like Travis Lindsay said Frozen 2 is better than Frozen 1. Like that was his. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, no, I'm like a pretty uh, left-leaning individual. Yeah. And... Um, like basic income is something that is that unpopular though well i guess that's kind of to be 
to be determined. To be determined if yeah, it's yeah. unpopular or not. Um, it's definitely something I've been like a proponent for for like years now, like oh, since yeah. before I moved out here. Mm-hmm. And then now with like Serb happening and like everyone benefiting from it, um, I think that universal basic income is something that is like yeah necessary. You and Steve Mackey agree. Oh yeah, Steve Mackey has talked about that on stage. Has he? Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a bit about like American healthcare and stuff like that as well. Like uh, I. Uh, yeah, I just don't think people should be hungry, man. Like, uh, fuck no, no, it's crazy how it's crazy how much how little people get paid, mm-hmm. and then they get two. Th- like, it was wild for me specifically because um, I'm on. I w- I've been on EI, so it's actually like slightly less than Serb. But for me, it was wild because I've been struggling with that much, and so like I've been I you know I made more than that before that, and for me to see other people go. I haven't made this much ever. I'm just like, holy shit. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Exactly. Why are like, and why are like service industry people, like I understand tips, like tips make up Mm. so so much of it, but the the amount of difference it would do if you gave people a base wage that was livable. Well, yeah, there's so many. And still let them have tips. Like, can you imagine? It'd be great. Like, I think that so many, like, they, all the pilot projects that they've done with Universal Basic Income, like, they did one in Dauphin, Manitoba for a while, and then before uh, Rob Ford, or, yeah, he's the one that's the Premier of Ontario right now, yeah, right? Yeah, one, so. one of the, 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 the living Ford brothers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, uh, like, so there was a, it was a liberal government before he got elected, and then um, they were doing a pilot for Universal Basic Income in a few communities in the province. And then when the conservatives took over, they kiboshed it. They like canceled the entire thing. Mm. And um, but like every every like bit of research that they've done like has shown that it's to the benefit of the people receiving it. That's right. Like yeah, people are able to like recover from their debt. Oh, it's a big one. People are able to renovate their houses. You know, like afford rent. Like maybe live on their own rather than living with like three people. People are able to go back to school. You know, like someone who like was like not able to make ends meet and like working a dead end job. Um, yeah. But like trying to support themselves and their family, were suddenly able to do all that and go back to school because they could just use school as their full time job and then pay for everything with the money that they're given. Mm. I mean, like I have a good friend. I won't mention him by name because I don't want to shit on him on air. But like he, uh, like he's very much against it. Like he thinks that like if you like give money to people for nothing, that it's going to devalue the dollar and then it, the prices of everything are just going to go up anyways. Mm. And like. That's like probably a little bit true, but like my argument against it is like, well, we're living without that right now, and things are the way they are. So like, what's change going to do? That's right. People kill themselves over money. Like money is a lot of people's biggest stress. It it is. It's like like, like it. I know for me, like it's my biggest stress for sure, and I carry it in my fucking body. I I'm stressed about, it and I don't even know it sometimes. Like just. Constantly, like I constantly get notifications. You're spending against your budget. You're spending against your budget. You're oh yeah, my, my fucking bank yes. emails, emails me like twice a week. It's like, do you know that you're spending over your budget? It's like, yes. yes. I, know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so annoying, and it's just like, yeah, you know, like I'm really grateful for EI and shit, but it's not sustainable. I, you know, like, and obviously, like I would never expect to just stay on EI forever. Yeah. But it was such a wake up call for me where it was like, Serb, you know, it's two thousand a month and like that's the most a lot of people have made over this time. Yeah, I didn't make that I, I think I made just over that when I was an electrician, you know? And uh like 
it's it's obscene. Like the fact that like the government was like, all right, everybody gets two thousand dollars a month in order to su- sustain themselves because they thought that that was like a reasonable like amount to give people, and then like everyone who was making less than that, it's just like. This money has been available this entire time, you know? Yeah. Like, this is what you consider to be, like, a livable amount of money. And then, like... Crazy. The minimum wage, like, now that it's all over, like, the minimum wage hasn't changed. And and people are going, going taking the debt again. Yeah, like, people have, like, purposely been refraining from going back to work. Yeah. Because there, it was more profitable for them yep. to stay on serve. That's a yeah. fucking problem. Yeah, man. Like... If they don't see it as a wake-up call, like, what the heck? I know a lot of restaurants in the city here, like... They had to hire more staff coming back from quarantine because no one was wanted to work over five hundred dollars a week. You know, because like you get it wasn't worth it for them. Yeah, exactly. If you make less than a thousand dollars a month, you're still qualified for CERB. Mm-hmm. And so, like, people would refuse to go back to their job if like they weren't. Um, they wouldn't take the hours. Exactly. So all these restaurants had to hire on like twice the amount of people, and then or hire someone who didn't want to be on CERB that would work all the hours. You know. <sighs> Crazy. It's pretty wild. What a fucking shit show of a world that we're in right yeah. now. I think Spain or Portugal decided that after like quarantine that they would just continue their like um basic income program. Uh-huh. So like everyone that was being supported by the government like when they were unemployed um is eligible to just be like on lifetime basic income. But I think the way that it works there is that like there's the amount that you're supposed to like, so like say it's two thousand dollars. Like if you make less than two thousand dollars, that the government will supplement okay. the top end of that. Mm-hmm. So like it's not like it's not like everybody gets two thousand dollars a month. It's like if you made less than this like base amount, they would top it up exactly. And if you made more, you would just stick with your normal exactly. I mean that's totally fair. Yeah, do fucking that. <laughs> Why not? You know, I don't know. Obviously, there's like so many more like uh, externalities and like um, cause and effect things that go along with it. But I think it's very realistic. Yeah. Like, especially like uh, I like in this in some of the courses I'm taking in university, uh, I learned that about 30 percent of people in Nova Scotia have experienced food insecurity in the last year, mm. you know, and then like um what does that, that mean, food insecure? Like, like they can't afford food? Yeah, they weren't sure yeah. if they were going to be able to feed themselves and <laughs> their family. You know? Been there myself, and I'm just a single person. Same. And yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so it's like it's like a fact of life that is like right on our doorstep, but like because people don't experience it themselves, like they look at requiring help as like a moral failing. Right, you know? right, right. Like, and like I always use the example, like when I was 18 and like living in that halfway house, like I had to go on welfare to be able to pay for it because my parents weren't able to like pay for me to live somewhere else so like right. i had to go on like i was on social assistance for like six months of my life you know and it saved me right and like people think that like someone standing in welfare line is a bad person who's a drug addict who like is taking advantage of the system but like i was just someone who needed help at the time you're in survival mode exactly you know it's and survival so like I, my character was never in question when i was going to the office to get a welfare check Right, you know, and so many people like they're like people are just looking for a handout, like right. they just don't want to work. Right, right, right. It's not that they're just like they, they want to just... live. Exactly, you know, like and let, I, I... let people live, and then like like this this culture of like work, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. It's like we also gotta live as humans. Yeah, and, and... be and be given that right. Jumpins. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so man. that that's that's <laughs> I did not expect this to get political. I uh, like it. I, I I rarely do, but this is something that I I I'm interested in. I I uh, 
yeah, that's it's fascinating, but also sad. Like it's mm. one of those things, right? So yeah, so I'm going into my second year in philosophy and political science. So hopefully, the next time we bring this up, I'll be a little bit more. Oh hell yeah! Let's freaking talk. Yeah, absolutely. You'll have to come back on, bud. Thank I'd you. Love to. Thank you so much for coming on. This was excellent. Uh, Great uh, intoxicated debut from Joel Franklin here. Oh, thank you very much. It was such a pleasure to be here. Uh, Oh, this is this is good. So we're we're comedy classmates. We're going to be going through this wild ride together, and um, you'll be back. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll have you back with other people, and yeah, and um, and can people follow you if they want to like follow you on <laughs> social media? Yeah. Like, so I um, I rebranded myself on Instagram. Hell um, yeah. It used to be my full name, uh, but now it's just my stage name. Uh, but uh, my Instagram handle is Frank Daddy Deluxe. Yeah. At Frank Daddy Deluxe. Perfect. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty entertaining. I sometimes put polls on. Oh, like, that's fun. I love doing that. It's so much fun. Yeah. And um, I always put videos of me and my friends getting up to shenanigans. Um, and then if you want to know where shows are, that's where you'll find them. Perfect. Yeah, you got a local Halifax listeners. Obviously, if I can check out some live comedy here in Halifax, there's a fuck ton of stuff going on. We got... Let's see. Let's ring it off. We have Monday nights at Kai Brady's. We have Tuesday nights at the Oasis. We have Wednesday nights at Daily Grind. Thursday nights at District 5. Yeah. And Sunday nights at Economy Shoe Shop. Yeah. And then there's a monthly show at Hop Yard as well. Monthly show at Hop Yard. Follow yeah. Durham Laporte for that. And then a monthly show on Saturdays at Oasis. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're doing the, the monthly, um, yeah. monthly Saturday shows. That's awesome. So there's... The guests that you hear, you could see... At a mic, or you could see at a show, so fucking come out, would ya? I, I'm gonna be bugging people every <laughs> single episode to come out to shows because that's my goal with the show, yeah, the uh, podcast. So yeah, yeah, go down, go down to the Daily Grind uh, on Wednesdays at 9 p.m. I work there and also tell jokes on my yeah, nights off. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the Daily Grind. I, I'm really enjoying that as a little mic to do. It's uh, it's so intimate because like it's uh, you know, there's no stage light. We use like that like little like bird's nest of like lights that's like right by the back door there and um so there's like two like lanes of audience that's like, right separated by the bar yeah and what's cool about the open mics too and i know that like like number one you don't have to pay for the open mics they're all free mm-hmm. um but you will see um a variety of people like you will see newbies you will see people working on new jokes you will also see pro comics popping in to work on new jokes yeah so like it's you really get a sample, like it's like a, the way that I say it is, is like you'll get a sampler plate of what is here in Halifax for comedy for free, and that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's so much fun, yeah. uh, and everyone's a great time. Do not be intimidated by like the large group of comics standing outside of every open mic show, like smoking yeah. cigarettes and like talking about their bits. Um, there, it's usually much more room inside. That's right. Go in and sit and be part of the crowd because we need we need crowds. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty devastating to tell to do a new set in front of a room full of just comics when they all have such high standards. I haven't done that yet. It's <laughs> very intimidating. I can't imagine. It's, it's a bit intimidating, yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, bud, thanks so much for coming on. We're gonna we're gonna end this fucking episode, but you you get to ring the bell.